Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Now a voice cries in the wilderness as the Lord prepares his church. With our eyes upon the cross. Heaven's under siege. Whoa, now heaven's under siege. When the Bible and the Bill of Rights have been trampled in the streets. And when the gentle lambs of Jesus Christ brought in jails for their beliefs. You know corruption reigns in government when heaven's under siege. I said corruption reigns in government when heaven's under siege. And boy, can we attest to that. Wow, can we attest to that. And uh, tomorrow, Lord's willing, I just want to announce that uh, the missionaries to the unborn and the Christian resistance will be out in front of planned predators. The most wicked, evil, sinister, ungodly, creeping, crawling death, the plague of death on planet Earth. We'll be out there at Bedford Heights. Oh, the shame of Bedford Heights. Uh, we'll be out there at about 9.45 tomorrow morning uh, because we really do believe the Word of God. And that's why they call us doers of the Word, not just hearers for real. And uh, we'll be out there rescuing those being led to slaughter and drawn to death. As the Bible teaches, also we will be um, witnessing, we will be rebuking, refuting, reproving, and giving the gospel message. And hopefully we'll have some some more uh, conversions for the Lord tomorrow. You know, it's right there at the gates of hell. Those are the people, virtually everybody coming in out there are on their way to hell. And as Jesus said, it's the the sick that need a physician. And boy, are they. Well, Joe, I wanted to just uh, pick up again where we left off on the Cooking for Life 26th Annual Chili Cook-Off. Um, again, at um, this is one of our big, big fundraisers that we, we need to gird ourselves up and raise funds to fight uh, to continue to save these babies. And uh, again, we're going to have their the forms to sign. And the way we do that, Joe, is we, we put them uh, county by county. Uh, we have folders, and so when one of the saints are under attack, whatever that county is, uh, and, and we're starting to spread this, we want to do it on a nationwide basis, uh, or at least do it as quickly as we can. Then, then the, the saints come to the aid. They come to the aid of those that are being persecuted for their faith. Again, the address is 8671 Chardon Road. That's Route 6, about two miles east of Route 306. That's this coming Saturday, starts at 4, goes to 8 p.m. 
and uh, you'll have chili, all kinds of chili, because it's the big cook-off. Chili dogs, chicken, uh, desserts, and there'll be takeout available. And so, for, for more information, you can call uh, 440-338-1367. 440-338-1367. Now, um, the next day, Joe, the next day, you're going to have also what we're going to have there. We have these flyers for the Geauga County Tea Party Fiddle for Freedom. That's the Fiddle for Freedom. And this is a fundraiser to bring Liberty Camp to Geauga County. And what that is about, Joe, guess what? We're, it's about teaching children, listen, Joe, teaching children about God, about the Bible, about marriage, about the family, about the Constitution. What do you, you mean think everything about, they aren't going to learn in the public school system? Right. It's it's where this Liberty Cap we're fighting back against uh we're fighting back against the public fool system, against the media, against Hollywood, against the whole antichrist world system. And uh that's what the Geauga County Tea Party is all about. So it's fiddle for freedom and you have the Stockdale family band and these folks are really talented. I mean uh, they get out their banjos and their fiddles, and uh, they are—they uh, are just talented. We call Anyhow, that bluegrass. Where I yep. Come from. And uh, that's going to be Sunday, May third. Sunday, May third, uh, from six p.m. to nine p.m. at the Word of Grace Church at ninety twenty one Mayfield Road, Chesterland, Ohio. That's ninety twenty one Mayfield Road, Chesterland, Ohio. Now. Uh, for more information, you can call Linda. Call Linda at 440-338-1582. Now, make sure you tell Linda you heard about it here on the, on, on, with old Pastor Sanders on what's right, what's left. Make sure you tell her. For more information, call Linda at 440-338-1582. Now, we will have these flyers available so you'll have the address and everything uh, Saturday, the day before Sunday, you know, and, and it's an amazing thing it happens that way every week, Joe. <laughs> and the, the day we before like Sunday, consistency in our life, right? We'll have these flyers available for them. All right. Um, you think you think Richard might have fallen asleep on us? He's not on the line yet. No. What I can do is let me give him a call and double check. You I think I Cut off for a few minutes to make a phone call and see what's wrong. Well, you know how old people are, Joe. Yep. <laughs> Hang on. I'll be back with you in a short. All righty. Okay. And while he's doing that, uh, I want to give you one more quick thing. Be a hero every day and run and walk and stand for life. This Saturday, starting at 9 a.m., uh, join alternatives, run and walk and stand for life. That's at 9 a.m. this coming Saturday. That's hours way before. Well, that's seven hours before the chili cook-off. But the run begins at 9 a.m. And the, at, uh, the walk begins at 10.30 at Edgewater Park. That's at Edgewater Park and Lakefront. Uh, the starter location is the Lower Edgewater Beach Shelter. And uh, it's a fundraiser for alternative, alternative, where they can help them save babies um, and provide for these women uh, 
the things that Crisis Pregnancy Centers provide. So for more information, you can... No, don't tell me they didn't give me a phone number. Don't tell me they didn't, folks. They didn't. They didn't give me a phone number. No, they did not. Anyhow, so for more information, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Let me see if I've got. Uh, uh, yeah, you can go to alternaterm at sbcglobal.net on the internet for alternaterm sbcglobal.net. That's alternaterm at sbcglobal.net. Boy, I can tell you, I would have to, you know, when you call them or you go up on there and say, don't you know to put a phone number there now? And you got, got those done, don't I? Did them, got them done. Absolutely. Now, guess what happened today, folks? Today, 300,000 restraining orders to the Supreme Court and Congress were presented, and this was by uh, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, to protect marriage from the courts' acts. That, that is, to protect marriage from the courts' act. In other words, these restraining orders said, look, uh, marriage, folks, is not was given to us by God and not by the court. And you really don't have any business ruling on, on marriage. You don't. And they become absolute tyrants. They become lawless, renegades. And that's what the Bible, you know, they become renegades. Here, because of the, we see with the influence that the Obama regime has had on our government is the corruption, whether it's in the IRS, whether, uh, whether it's in the Secret Service, whether it's in the ATF, every, every area of our government today has been influenced and corrupted by the Obama regime. The ungodliness, the wickedness, the evil, the Antichrist system. And why? Well, most of most of you folks out there that are calling yourself Christians, you've been asleep. Uh, can't somebody do something? You are supposed to be the somebody to stand up. You. Yeah, but you don't understand, preacher. I got a job. I have to go to work. Yeah, you know, guess what? Your preacher understands that. I head up eight full-time ministries. I know what it's like to have a job. But listen, ask yourself this. What is your freedom worth to you? Because I'm going to tell you, unless you stand up, unless you're willing to die for it, you're not going to have it. Remember what Thomas Jefferson said. If a nation expects to be ignorant and free, it expects what never was and never will be. That's just a fact. So today, um, here's what it says. Our founders have given us the remedy to protect marriage with Article 3, Section 2 of the U.S. Constitution to remove jurisdiction from the federal courts and appellate jurisdiction from the Supreme Court to rule on marriage, and we intend to use it. And uh, these are people, and I'll just read you a list of some of the people that were there. But there's a whole lot of us. Listen, remember I told you, I, I sent my emails to all of them, restraining orders. And, you know, you can still do it. I think, believe you can still send your restraining orders. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You just uh, go to restrainthejudges.com. 
Just go up on the internet to restrainthejudges.com and it'll tell you how you can do that, how you can send them a message. It doesn't cost you much, $9, and you can send them a message to let them know enough is enough is enough. Stay out of marriage. God gave it to gave us marriage. You did not, and you cannot change the definition. Look what you've done with abortion. Look at the curse that you brought on America because you... You, as a court, referring to yourself as, as gods. Look what you've done to America. Joe, you're back? I'm back. I was not able to get a hold of uh, Sheriff Mack. Um, I don't know that I should say this, but about uh, 13 weeks ago, he had had a, a big heart attack, a real bad heart attack. Yeah, I know. And, uh, he's been on the mend. Everything was going well, as I last heard when I talked to him, and unless we had some big mix-up or something, uh, uh, he doesn't answer his cell phone or anything. So uh, right now, don't we just, let's hope it's not, let's just hope it's a dumb mistake and one of us got a time or phone number mixed up and it's not something more serious. Well, did you let him know one of the, one of the major things that we have problems with this is the time zone? A lot of times. Right. I went through that a couple of times with him. All right, very good, because that's one of the major things people mess up, and then uh, often the next thing is they'll they'll lose the phone number. They lose the phone number. Then they got to go up and they got to go and start searching for it. And or what they'll do is they'll be calling my office or the cell phone, which I'll usually turn off, trying to get the number while I'm on the air. Right. And I've actually had people calling it. Well, I'm, well, I'm, they've called in on the radio program to get in on the line, uh, and because, you know, you have a number of people calling, uh, they, they get put on hold or they can't get through. So they'll call my cell phone to tell me that they've been trying to call in and they can't get in. I'm not going to answer that. I'm doing a radio program. Program. Right? Some okay. days, you know, the devil just wants to make life a little more difficult than others. But uh, being highly unpaid professionals, you know, we will carry on, right? Yep. Amen. In well, fact, something, if there is, uh, I don't know what you were, I heard you about the judges, but I, I wanted to bring up something that uh, I found uh, about Hillary Clinton. I talked to you about on the phone that she was giving a speech and it was, to the, uh, just where is it, the Women's in the World Summit. And uh, this would have been, uh, I think, the 23rd she gave this speech. And uh, several people caught it, picked up on it, but it didn't hit the major news. But here's, here's the crux of it. She's told the women that this path to abortion, to women's rights, is only going to open up by changing religion, culture, and value. Now, I'm going to quote her own words. She said, Far too many women are denied access to reproductive health care, safe childbirth, and laws don't count for much if they're not enforced. Rights, rights have to exist in practice, not on paper. Now, here's where she really gets to it. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will, she explained, and deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Now, you would know what that 
met, but I wonder how many people out there understood what Hillary Clinton just said in that sense. Well, you, uh, folks, Hillary, you think I, people got what was going on. Well, again, more and more starting to listen more carefully. Uh, you know, it's, it's been this this mindset. One of the things that so many people and I I have friends that that even though they'll tell you I don't believe a thing I hear in the liberal media, they have been so trained. I mean, absolutely so trained by the liberal media uh, that they they can't they can't assimilate uh, knowledge, uh, you know, unless they get that warning. In other words. For years now, we've been saying, do you see what they're doing now? Do you see what they're doing now? So for years and years and years and years on this radio program, we've been telling people in the direction we're going, where where we're going to end up. Well, we're here now. We're here now. And so a lot more people are starting to awaken. Joe, I think if um, if I had 10 years ago came out with what we have, the For Real True Christian Resistance, uh, these sign-up sheets, I probably wouldn't have got that great a response, uh, even though 10 years ago, you know, we were well along the way. But now with what they're seeing with abomination, this man of sin, uh, they're starting to wake up. They're seeing how sin is being brought in virtually Antichrist. The schools are, are being turned in the public school systems where the, the young people are being indoctrinated literally into Satanism. I mean... Literally into Satanism, the Antichrist system, where what is happening with uh, Obama has brought his Muslims into the country, and now people are starting to awaken to the fact they have over 80 jihadist training camps. Well, the other aspect of that is is this monstrous regiment of women. Uh, that video that we showed is is spot on. It hits it. And but I'm going to be preaching this this week, uh, and it's going to be. Uh, Mary's regiment versus Jezebel's. I'm going to make a comparison between uh, good, clean, honest, truth-loving Christian women whose hearts have turned towards God, towards the Hillary's. Now, you know, Hillary, uh, and we're going to be talking about this, Hillary was the one, Hillary, even though she did not hold, hold an office, Joe, Hillary was the one that gave the order at Waco. Did you know that? I Hillary. know. I heard that from What's Right, What's Left Radio Ministry. Years ago. Well, guess what? Somebody rediscovered that. And uh, they just came out. Robert Morrow rediscovered that. We we talked about this years ago. Hillary, not Bill, not Janet Reno, and not Webb Hubble. See, that's another thing that a lot of people didn't realize. They thought Janet Reno was the attorney general. Well, she was the puppet attorney general. Webb Hubble was behind the scene. He was pulling the strings. They had to kind of keep him in the background, too. Uh, Webb Hubble is, is Chelsea's real father. Um, and not Vince Foster uh, was the one. Now, Hillary, not Bill, not Janet Reno, not Webb Hubble, not Vince Foster, was the one who ordered the final assault, the final death count. 76 Branch Davidians, including 21 children and two pregnant women. A woman in charge from Robert Morrow, uh, and uh, he writes this article. Hillary was the one who ordered the FUBAR final assault that on the holdout Branch Divisions in 
Waco on April 19, 1993. The final death count for this disastrous fiasco was 76 Branch Davidians, including 21 children and two pregnant women. The appalling disaster at Waco was what motivated Timothy McVeigh to participate in the terroristic bombings in Oklahoma City two years later on April 19th. Hillary was putting pressure on Vince Foster, her longtime uh, boyfriend and sexual partner and emotional husband. And Webb Hubble, by the way, she was the one that had him done in, too. He he was about, he was getting uh, nervous, and he was about to, to spill the beans. And uh, everybody that's anybody who's aware of what took place with that will tell you that it was Hillary that had it done. Anyhow, in fact, well, that's another story. We'll get into that another time. Webb Hubble, who was the number three guy at the Justice Department, to have a forceful resolution to Waco standoff, not, uh, he goes on to say, Webb Hubble is also probably the father of Chelsea, not Bill Clinton. Uh, and this, now, this is not me saying this is from Robert Morrill. This is what his research found out, but we, we were the first people to, to, to say this. Uh, on his free Republic web link to see a photo of the striking uh, similarity between Webb Hubble and Chelsea. Well, that's why Larry Nichols was instructed to make sure that he never allowed Webb Hubble and Hillary to be in the same same photo together. Or not Hillary, uh, Webb Hubble and Chelsea uh, right. to be in a photo op together. One big reason Hillary placed Hubble in the third spot at the Justice Department was so that he would have to go he would not have to go through a Senate confirmation hearing where the ugly and probably true details about Hubble being the biological father of Chelsea might be revealed in this process. Carl Bernstein in the book on Hillary gets close to this. Foster vaguely repeated his fear that the confirmation process would hurt Hillary. He seemed to know something that not Nessenbaum didn't. Likewise, Hillary placed Vince Foster, her longtime lover and emotional husband, at the number two spot in the office of White House Counsel. Although Vince, Hillary's best friend, was really superior in power over White House Counsel Bernie Nessbaum, Vince basically was the one who vetted Nessbaum for the spot. Give me a reason not to do this, Janet Reno said. Uh, is said to have begged aid shortly before orders were issued in the final assault. After the complete disaster of the final assault on the Branch Davidians, Bill Clinton was refusing to face the media, and Janet Reno stepped out to take the full responsibility in front of the cameras. But the real woman in charge, this the real Jezebel here, responsible for the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, including 21 children and two pregnant women, was Hillary, not Janet Reno, not Eve. During an interview in early February 2001, the former White House aide alleged that Hillary Clinton pressured the late Vince Foster to resolve the Waco standoff as a resident and children were killed. Appearing on CNN's Larry King Live, Tripp suggested that Foster had Mrs. Clinton's direction transmitted the order to move on the Branch Davidians Waco compound which culminated in a military-style attack on the wooden building. I'm going to stop there. There's a lot more because Larry Nichols, uh, if he's still alive. By the way, I got an email. Apparently, 
Uh, apparently, there was something on the radio uh, yesterday or this past week. Um, uh, Bill, uh, was it Bill Benson? Apparently, uh, someone had called in and he had said that, uh, for, and, uh, talking about, uh, well, here, I've got the, the email here. It says, was listening to 1420 this a.m., left a message with a show's call screener to relate to Bill Bennett that Larry Nichols is alive and suggested Bill review the Clinton Chronicles book. Apparently, Bill Bennett didn't, uh, didn't realize Larry was still alive. Well, the last time I talked to him, he sounded pretty good. <laughs> I talked to him today, and he sounded like he was still alive, yeah. Oh, okay. So, there you go. His death has been exaggerated. You know, we were talking about Hillary being in charge. That's why when I brought these words up about her, these that when I talked about the deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, structural bias has to be changed. What Hillary is admitting here is that the liberals, the progressives, which are really socialists, that this destruction, at-will destruction of the unborn, of the innocent, the most innocent among us, has to go against what? All of America's Judeo-Christian beliefs, our cultural values of life, and all these biases uh, that we have that recognize from Scripture the value of human life. And you and I I both know that the Right to Life movement changed dramatically when they came up with the ultrasound in states like Missouri were putting into law that people wanting an abortion should have an uh, ultrasound or trying to get these laws passed because in our uh, pregnancy crisis center here in Missouri, every woman that ever went in and had an ultrasound kept her baby because they could actually see babies blowing bubbles, sucking their thumb, moving. They could see this beautiful baby, and it changed everything. Well, that's the things that Hillary's talking about. We've got to get rid of these deep-seated cultural codes, right? You know, life movement, religious beliefs, and structural biases. In other words, she's saying the same thing that the cultural Marxists have said, We've got to change Western civilization. We've got to get rid of Western civilization and the Christian religion, which is what? The basis of all Western civilization. So here we have Hillary showing her true Marxist beliefs, telling it to the world, but most of the people in the media, Pastor, and he don't pick up on these things, don't catch it. Oh, and here she's the first no. time she's told the truth in a yeah. long time. No, 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 believe me, believe Believe me, Joe, they pick up on it, and, and they're, most of those in the lamestream media say, how are we going to cover for Hillary? How are we going to give her some cover for this? Uh, again, Oh, they uh, wouldn't do that. They wouldn't cover for her when she's telling the truth. I thought they only a, covered for her when she lied. Well, there is, uh, <laughs> well, you know, there is such an anti-Christian bias, such a hatred for for God and well, we're coming up to a, a break. When we come back, uh, I want to get into a couple other things. Uh, first of all, the, the, the sodomite mafia, and Americans' aggressive uh, sodomite agenda. Uh, we're going to be talking about that because um, we are not going to put up with enough is enough. We're fighting back. So we'll be back right after this with more.
WHKW Cleveland, WHKZ Warren, your home for Christian talk and biblical teaching, a service of Salem Media Group. Positive, encouraging teaching, AM 1220, The Word. Judgment Day. Believe me, folks, believe me, you would rather be right than wrong. And you know why, Joe? Do you know where those on the right go? Those that are on the right go to the right place and sit there at the feet of our Lord Jesus. But those on the left? They go to a little warmer environment where the global warming is actually happening. And what if uh, what if they have enough? What if they follow they file a lawsuit against God in the federal courts? There's something about heaven and earth will melt away. I, I don't think it's going to do much good. So, uh, well, what if they have a, a media 
uh, what if they have a media-driven program uh, for God to uh, step down? I don't think God listens to opinion polls or uh, really cares what the vote is. Well, you know what? You and I know that, but I don't think those on the left understand that. I don't think there's a lot they do understand when it comes to truth and wisdom and knowledge of God. I wanted to get into the... I've got something here very quickly as we, we continue to tell the people this is why... Uh, you really need to get involved. You need to be a part of the Tea Party movement. You need to be to, to get involved with the For Real True Christian Resistance movement. And uh, like I said, we will, Lord's willing, we will have those uh, um, applications there for you to sign and become a part of that, to be uh, say, listen, here, I'm signing up. I'm going to join uh, this Christian army to stand up, to stand up for each other and for our freedoms. But the takedown of America has begun. New art commercial announces martial law declaring this will be a long summer everywhere. Uh, more armored UN vehicles uh, seen moving through Georgia. I've got, I'm here holding a, a big picture of uh, all of these you know, UN vehicles, uh, the white vehicles moving in a convoy down a road in Georgia. Uh, he says this, let me see. With a series of events that have unfolded across America in the past several weeks, we can clearly see the takedown of America is underway. Another set of United Nations trucks, armored, have been spotted in the Deep South, while a, a mayor of a major metropolitan city has given the green light to protesters to destroy property while telling police to back off and allow destruction to take place. Of course, we we know that's taking place tonight. Now, fortunately... Uh, no imminent, and that's uh, no innocent bystanders were killed. Well, they they use the word six officers when this now it's been up to 15 police officers have been injured. The message from the top has been sent down to, to um, have been sent. The takedown has begun. Now, remember what uh, Obama was prior to uh, running for the Senate in you know Chicago when he was going by. Well, let me see. Uh, at that point, I'm trying to remember the name he was going under. He's been under several. Uh, he was under, um, well, he was under Barry Sotero when he was a foreign student. Harrison J. Bonnell is a drug dealer. Uh, uh, Barack Hussein, and then Barack Hussein Obama. Well, he was Barack Hussein Sobaka, but but um, when he became Obama, uh, he was running for just prior to running for the uh, Illinois State Senate. He was what you call a community organizer. Now, community organizer is a code word for what, Joe? Communist infiltrator and planner. No, communist operative. Well, that's what they use the CO. Operative. Yeah, when they use community organizer, it's the CO. That's the uh, communist. Well, and what was the job as a communist operative? To align all of the working class and to get them together in an organized form to go against whatever targets they pick. And the targets they picked were to cause what? Upheaval and... Upheaval and chaos. In major cities. Mm -hmm. And in all the major cities, they're run by the Communist Party, aren't they? Exactly, and the first ones came over in the first wave from the uh, 
in the early 1900s, around 1919, 1920, when the first communist organizers started coming to America. So and they, they worked primarily yeah. with the labor unions, but some of them were working in the field. So when they say step back, like they did recently there, uh, there in Missouri, uh, where they said step back and let them burn the city, mm. and now and and now they're doing it in Baltimore. Uh, who rebuilds that city when they burn out, burn down the city? Uh, who rebuilds those cities? It usually ends up being taxpayer money from people outside in the in the surrounding county. And so what happens is the people that lose their homes and their businesses and so on and so forth, they, they're they not the ones that get reimbursed. But you have these bureaucrats that come in, and guess what? They're, they're all going to have some ties to the Obama regime, and they're going to get these big, fat jobs to rebuild or to go whatever. And uh, it'll be taxpayers' money, and it'll be, uh, okay, so now you owe me. For this or that, and the corruption under communism in every major city that's run by Democrats, it's absolute, totally corrupt. Cleveland being one of the worst. And look also at their finances. You look at Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, all of the places where they're deep in debt because they offer to pay such high benefits to their teachers, firemen, and policemen. In other words, as they were buying votes and making promises on the backs of the average working person. All these cities are in trouble up to their ears with debt. They've made promises that cannot be paid, and they're all in trouble, and some of them are filing for bankruptcy. And again, who picks that up? The other taxpayers pick that up, right? Right, and they, and with these teachers' unions to where no matter how corrupt, no matter how incompetent, okay, you are. You cannot be fired, even if you're molesting children. Oh, they have people in New York that have been in this, what they call the rubber room school, for six to seven years, getting paid their full salary. They can't put them near children. They can't let them teach. But they haven't been able to get rid of them for anywhere periods of years, up to six or seven years. There are people in this situation drawing a full paycheck and benefits on your, pay, on your taxes and mine. Well, people are kind of getting a little bit, you know, I mean, uh, the Americans have put up with it because, well, they said, you know, we've, you know, we're just trying to earn a living. We're just trying to stay, keep our head above water. Uh, but now there's something that's much more sinister. A lot of people aren't able to keep their head above water. They're seeing themselves fall further and further behind. And they're now starting to see things come apart. They're starting to see the rotten culture. They're starting to see the drug violence, the gang violence, the shootings. What did I have here just a week ago or two? It was four killed in, uh, I think it was Chicago. 32 were shot over a 48-hour period in one of our big, big liberal cities. Well, Joe, listen to this. This is going to be, this is, is something that I have thought of, Joe. And uh -oh. this might be astounding, okay? This but what if, those Joe, real biggies, right? Right. What if, what if the intention all along, what if the intention all along with these strict gun rules, because they know what happens 
to, to have the end result as more people getting killed. Since, since they know that in every one of these cities where they've passed this massive gun laws, and listen to this joke, because see, I, I was one of the first people to come up with this conclusion because, you know what I did? I used, I'm going to say it, common sense. Oh, no. Oh, you used I, I used common word. sense. Oh. I know. I know that it's it's against the law. I know that common sense is under the Obama regime a hate crime. But under common sense, Joe, I knew. You see, I knew when, when these uh, idiots said, well, we're going to pass these strict gun laws so that the criminals won't, won't buy guns. And here's what I said, Joe. This is what I said. I said this. That the reason they call them criminals is because they don't obey the law. And the only people that's going to affect are the law-abiding citizens. They won't be able to protect themselves because the criminals, they're going to get guns regardless of what the law says. You see, that's why they call them criminals. Now, Joe, let me ask you, is that genius or is that genius? That's sheer genius. It's like I followed that up with, did you know that almost all of the major shootings in this country have occurred in gun-free zones? Uh, in fact, remember in Colorado when the guy shot up the movie theater? Yep. He had gone to three other theaters, and they didn't have a sign-up that said no guns. You know, they didn't have the no-gun sign. And... So he didn't stay at any one of those three theaters. When he came to the fourth theater, it had one of those signs, no guns allowed. And that's the one he walked in and started shooting up. Okay, now, Joe, I'm going to ask you a very, very, very serious question now. Uh-oh. Okay, because uh, his, his defense attorney is pleading right now his insanity. Now, let me ask you the question. Who is the one that was insane? The guy that went to the four theaters, and when he found a sign that says, no guns allowed, chose that theater because he knew that he wouldn't face any opposition, or the one that put the sign up in the theater. Which one of those two, Joe, would you say is insane? I think they're both a little off. I think, actually, the putting up the sign, because I just got done saying... Almost every shooting you can imagine or remember in the past 20 years, whether it's a college campus, a high school, everywhere they've had a shooting, it's been a gun-free zone. You don't well, seem to have shootings where people are allowed to either conceal carry or, like where I live, we can open carry. You can walk in and out of a restaurant in my town, in and out of Walmart, anywhere you want, and you can carry a forty-five in your hip and nobody even looks your way. I'm, this article that I have right here on the Sodomite Mafia is a little bit of a long article. I don't know if you can sit still all of this time unless I take some breaks and I and I read this article. But it talks about the effect on the Sodomite Mafia on all different aspects of society. And a very interesting part of it is uh, how they've infiltrated and they affected the Catholic Church. And which caused that Pope Benedict to to resign, to step down, uh, because he felt that he was not able to to be able to stop it. And basically, there was a conspiracy against him to push him out. But anyhow, this is a long article. 
and maybe I'll just save this for when I'm when I don't have anybody with me and I can go ahead and, and uh, go through this whole, whole thing. What do you think? Sounds good because, well, there's an example right outside of Washington, D.C. There's a place you've heard of called Fairfax County, Virginia, right? Yep. And you know what they're doing in the schools in Fairfax County, Virginia? There's no telling, Joe. They're getting ready because some teachers, uh, they are now opening the bathrooms to people based on their gender identity rather on their, than on their biological sex. And this is going to start in kindergarten. Yes, it's going to start in the kindergarten schools, and it's going to be mandatory. In other words, parents in this district there in Fairfax County, Virginia, the policy is going to forbid parents to opt their children out of complying with the rules. And it brings the question, you're talking about this homosexual... This is communism. What? This is where we have to establish a chapter of the for real, true Christian resistance in Fairfax, Virginia. Exactly, because this is where the rubber's hitting the road. And here's the question, one of them. Do the public teaching institutions, do the public schools have the right to usurp the authority of parents, teach children things that are contrary to what is taught in the home, contrary to what is taught in their church, contrary to the standards of the community, does the government school system have the right? And this is one of those questions all over. The same thing with businesses. Uh, look at that one uh, business, that uh, the bakery uh, up in Oregon. The uh, Oregon bakery, they just learned this last Friday that the judge is going to levy about $135,000 in damages uh, to the, the couple up there at Sweet Cakes by Melissa uh, for the emotional suffering of the lesbian couple that couldn't buy, that she wouldn't do a wedding cake for their wedding. And the judge is giving out emotional suffering in the amount of $135,000. What the sodomites are doing is attacking our businesses, our schools, our children, our faith. They're attacking everywhere. And this is what you said. This is why we need the Christian resistance out there all over America, because these people are attacking everywhere. Yeah, they are. But you see, this is very well orchestrated. I I have this here, but this is exactly what they haven't learned from was they're, they're going down exactly the same road they did in Nazi Germany. And you had, again, the, the sodomite, remember, the the first time the word abomination was used in scripture it was uh, to describe sodomy and now uh, here the satanists are are filled with sodomites so, uh, sodomy is satanic now what happened with hitler hitler uh, you had the femmes and the butchers in the the nazi regime and the brown shirts were called the butchers. And what Hitler did, Hitler and uh, his crew were called the Femmes. They also, the Hitler's room where he stayed, you, if you'd have gone in there, they said you would have thought it, it was a woman's room. It was, it was decked out like a, a, a woman's room would be. Now, what happens is, what Hitler did is Hitler allowed the brown shirts to continue to do right now what the what the sodomite mafia is is doing in America, try to take people's homes away from them, try to take their uh, 
you know, their business away attacking them. Now, what happens is he allowed this. He watched and he sat back all the, all the time strengthening the SS. And when the time was right, they moved. When uh, he moved in overnight and he took down all the leaderships of the, the brown shirts, the, the hardcore uh, violent sodomite movement. And then he went out to the people and said, Der Führer did not allow uh, these people to continue to bully their German people. I have eliminated those who will bully you. And that's exactly, I think, what it, we're, we're, we're seeing. They're going down the same road, the same mindset here, is pushing and pushing and pushing until the pushback comes. And exactly. Well, look at Cuba. When uh, the communists took over Cuba, you know what they did with the sodomites? They threw them in mental institutions, those that they didn't shoot. Well, here's they another... They used them during the revolution, but the minute the communists got in power, mental institutions and firing squad for the sodomites. Doesn't history tend to repeat itself? Evan, you and I mentioned that a few times before. Yes, we have. Now, there's two... Uh, Two bodies of people, if you will, uh, on this planet who will not, who are not going to, not going to conform to the Antichrist system. We will not conform to the world. Okay. Obviously, the, the true church and the true church is very small. The vast majority of, of those that have a profession of faith are in for an extremely rude awakening. You know it, and I know it. Okay. Uh, and we're not going. We're not going to give in. We're not going to compromise. We'd rather be dead than to live under uh, this bondage. And we are not going to embrace their sin. You see, because what the sodomite movement is doing is they're trying to force people either reject Jesus Christ, reject him, and that's what these federal prostitutes, these federal prostitutes, black robe prostitutes, they call judges. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say reject Christ. By embracing sin, or we're going, you're going to lose your house, you're going to lose your business, you're going to lose your freedom. Now, the other group that uh, won't give in to that either, believe it or not, are the hardcore fundamentalist Muslims. Now, they've already adopted a lot of the Antichrist uh, ways, but. Uh, only a small percentage, there is a group of, of, a percentage of Muslims who are hardcore sodomites. They, they believe that women are, are just above a dog. And, uh, so they, they think that it's, it's not clean to have sex with a woman, but they'd rather have with young boys. And that's, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, the only way they have sex with women is to propagate. But, so, I mean, but they're not going to give in either. Uh, and what we're talking about, when you can call it communism, you can call it progressive socialism. Um, when it all boils down to liberalism, it's the Antichrist system, the Antichrist system. So those two groups are not going to give in. And these are the two groups that the Antichrist system is, is marked for elimination. They have marked us for elimination. Uh, their goal and their saying is, either assimilation or elimination, one or the other. So, Joe, 
we are in for a real battle, and that's why... Uh, that because the enemy of my enemy is my enemy, right? Right. Now, you were talking... Was that Fairfax, Virginia? You said that that was yep, taking place? Fairfax, Virginia, in the public school system. Okay, well, I, I would urge somebody from Fairfax, Virginia, you folks out there listening to me in Fairfax, to contact our office at 440-338-1367. We will show you how you can start right now to organize to fight back. Believe me, you can scare them. I mean, you can, you can fight back. Uh, Joe, we've seen, and I know in my own, my own lifetime, I've stood up to them. I've stood up to corrupt cops who were on the take, corrupt co judges in courts. You can stand up to them, folks. And you can back them down. And I'll tell you why. Because the Lord says that you're more than conquerors in him. That we are more than conquerors. That he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. If you understood that, if you're truly saved, if you're truly saved, you have a power that's much greater than you think. If you are truly saved. So I would encourage anyone from those, you folks out there who have, have the medal. First of all, those of you that are saved, if you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and you want to stand up for you folks in Fairfax, for your children, if you want to stand up and, and run to the gap, as the Bible says, who will stand for me in the gap? If you want to fight on the Lord's side, if you have the courage and the, the integrity to stand and fight for your children, we'll jump into this battle with you. We'll show you how you can... Uh, start recruiting Christians. When you start coming out in large, large numbers, it'll make a difference. And believe me, it really makes a difference when it comes to courtroom observers and others that show up. Are it you willing to do that? Anytime the Christians show some force. Now, this thing in Virginia, they were considering this, and they were going along without a lot of resistance until a division of the American Family Association found out what they were up to. Uh, put out alert to parents, but it's going to depend on whether or not the community really comes out in protest. And you and I have seen all across this country when the people stand and really protest and really go out in large numbers, the enemy backs off. But only when the Christians take the field, and too often we can't get enough people to take the field to have a good team. Well, that's true. But when we do have enough people, and that's exactly what Coach Dubbemeyer was talking about here. We're victorious. Uh, when we uh, get a team together, we have victory. Last night, that's exactly what Coach Dubbemeyer, and he, too, is getting a very good response, Joe. He said he's had thousands of people that have already signed up now for the Salt and Light Brigade. And so uh, we're going to, uh, we've had a little problem getting this thing up on the Internet. Uh, but we're going to be working on that to where people can sign up on the Internet. And, uh... Hey, you know, that that brings something to mind. I want to interrupt you right then, because one of the things that you could use is some volunteers. And uh, too often we forget to ask the people out there that live there near uh, 14781 Sperry Road, Newberry, Ohio, where the office and ministry headquarters are, you can use all kinds of people, and especially if there's somebody out there that is very skilled in computers or web work or things like that. You could certainly use uh, volunteers in that area, couldn't you? We can use a whole lot of volunteers, a whole lot. 
and see what happens is is what they have to try to understand uh, joe is that uh this you know this war is not entirely up to them we have volunteers that come and often what happens is uh, they see the scope of what we're you know we're up to what we're up against what we do what we're doing and a lot of them they don't have uh they don't have what it takes to hang in there for the long term a lot of them they get burnt out early uh because you know they they don't understand that uh, you know it's the war you know you're going to win some battles and we lose some battles but we're in this thing till the end and a lot of them if if uh, they come and they, they expect very quickly to to turn things around and what happens and others just are just saying it's this is just overwhelming you know what you guys are doing is overwhelming well you know what um, the cost of freedom the cost of freedom is high very high and it's, the price has been paid over the 238 years it's very costly and blood and broken bodies and dead soldiers and uh, the money and destruction uh, I think we couldn't calculate what it's cost us to be free to this point could we no I'm going to open the phone lines and take some calls Joe phone lines are now open at 888-677-9673 and you folks at Fairfax Virginia uh, if you want to fight this thing, call my office at 440-338-1367. That's 440-338-1367. All right. Uh, and the phone lines are now open, and I got it. Let's, let's, let's take John. John, you're in the air. Hi, Pastor Sanders. Hi, Pastor Larson. Hey, John. Say, Pastor, the reason I called... Uh, I want to, you know, I, I make these phone calls every chance I get, you know, for Pastor, or for Dr. Holbein, for the heartbeat bill. And uh, tonight when I called that uh, number in uh, Colorado for Chaplain Klingenschmidt, an actual human picked the phone up, and the guy told me that uh, Chapter Klingenschmidt has been reinstated. I don't know if you've heard anything about that or not, or... No, I haven't. I I know that he has gotten. I know that uh, they got a lot of phone calls, and that's an example of what we're talking about when people stood up. And you know what, John? You just reminded me of something. Uh, you know, we have a man right now, and, and uh, we have a couple from our church, and George and Shirley Wells. George is in the hospital. And he is in very poor shape. And he's he's in, in very critical critical shape, and he's going to have to have a, a feeding. He hasn't eaten in about two weeks. A feeding tube put in, and I had promised to to open to pray for him last night. And and uh, forgive me, but what happened? It's just I got so many things going on. So right now, I want to ask everybody out there to join me. Everybody out there, George is in critical shape. And also, we went and visited a big gym yesterday, uh, big Jim Garner. And you know what? I, I got to tell you, you know, Jim looked like one of those Nazi uh, death camp survivors. I mean, he oh, is he, he is so thin. I couldn't believe he's lost so much weight. So I want to pray for both of these fellows. Lord, I want to hold up George right now. First of all, I know that. That uh, Lord, he's 
he's he's in very critical condition. But and and they say, well, there's 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 nothing he can do. But Lord, we know that we know, Father God, Lord, uh, that miracles miracles uh, is what your expertise. And we would ask, Father God, we just want to hold George up and ask, Lord, that you would bless him, Father. Be a comforter to him. Lord, if it be thy will that you touch him and make him whole. But if if not, Lord, we ask that you be with him and comfort him in this time. And his wife, Shirley, Shirley has gone through so much. This has been so very, very hard on her, Lord. And uh, I just would ask, Father God, that you would be a comforter and a blessing to both of them. And Lord Jim Garner, Father God, uh, Big Jim has always been such a, he's always been, he said, such a, a servant's heart, such a servant's heart. And and Lord, you know, even at 84 years old here, you know, in the prison ministry, up on death row, uh, Father God, just giving his all. And now, Lord, he's, uh, I know that uh, Big Jim is, He's ready to come home, Lord. My, my prayer is, Father God, we know that uh, it'll be heaven's gain and our loss, and the same with George. And But I just would ask that you would touch Big Jim. We'll miss him sorely at the at the at the in the prison ministry there. But we just ask that you would touch him. And, Lord, if it be thy will, that you could heal him, restore him, Lord, and keep him, uh, keep him strong until the time you come to take us all home. This we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Pastor, I'll hang up so other people could call in. God bless both of you. God bless. uh, Thanks. Thank you for calling and giving me that information. You know, that that shows you what can happen when people stand up. People stood up. We ran to the aid, and and all of us called for Chaplain Clay and Smith. I remember what first happened when uh, we were the first ones to put Gordon Klingenschmidt on the air when the Navy got after him for praying in the name of Jesus. And uh, you were warned personally not to put him on the radio. We were both warned not to put him on, and we did. And look what happened. The Navy actually had to change their policy. Yeah, they did. People stood and rebelled. Well, you know, the Navy had to, but they're not enforcing it because of who's in the White House. Their so-called commander-in-chief is an antichrist. Right, yeah. Uh, but Congress passed that law that you could not, but they're lawless. It's a total lawless regime. The Obama regime is a total lawless regime. Uh, they and they don't. the Republicans allowed this new attorney general to come in who's not going to do anything different. She's gonna yeah, they sold us. You know, I have a whole list of those Republicans that sold us down, that sold us out on her... I, I I want to read it. I want to try to to read it over the uh, the air. Uh, let me see. I can try to. I, I had it here, but it's it's a, uh, a long list of those. When I find it, what I'll do is I'll I'll start reading it a couple every day. These are the Republicans that sold you down. So there's only about, what, 14 faithful of the new Tea Party people that came in uh, that really have been towing the line? Yep. And you know not what? Not very many of them. No, not many. And the guy that the guy that I, w- I am looking for uh, that, that I would support is Ted Cruz right now. Uh, he, is, he has done what he said. He stood up. 
And, uh, you know, we've got this Jade Helm, uh, Six Months of Horror, predicted uh, mm -hmm. heading this way here. And this Jade Helm, do uh, you know what it's all about? Yep, I've got some notes on it. They're uh, going to be practicing warfare in America using people in real cities and situations. They claim they're getting everybody's permission to do this, but uh, they're doing a lot of secret black ops work, and our government hasn't proven to be trustful in the past, so why would we really expect them to be trustful in what they're going to do now? And that's that's the whole problem. People don't trust. They can't trust the government. We've been lied. We've been cheated, lied to and cheated and deceived. And so now they say, but we're really honest. We're just doing some war games to help protect America, and nobody's believing them. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh, I have what I have here, and, I, and I'm going to go through this. But there, the Jade Helm, the logo for this operation, uh, is a... Uh, an inverted cross. It's an inverted cross, and with two arrows, you know, crosswise, and with a pair of wooden clogs. Do you know what a clog is? Wooden clog. You mean like a wooden shoe? Yep. Mm -hmm. Identical to the ones that's that's in it. But now, the way they have it, uh, it's the clogs are transparent. Uh, and that's what the prisoners of war wore during World War II. Ooh, that's right. I remember so, Jade Helm, here it is, Joint Assistance, Development, and Execution of the Homeland Eradication of Local Militants. Right. I've got a, a half-inch thick folder here on Jade Helm, and when I, I get the chance, I want to go through that. But this is, this is what people need to understand. See, what they're hearing here on this radio program... You know, you're not going to hear uh, anywhere else. We're one of the very few radio programs um, that bring this stuff out. What we're bringing to people tonight, believe me, uh, the regime does not want them to know. And um, the they got two things. One thing, uh, our silence might ring louder. So if they come against me, uh, which, you know, you know, I've expected for a long time uh, that might it might work in reverse on them. And so what they're hoping is that, well, we don't have an, enough listeners, that we'll have a, a small percentage of the listeners and, uh, and the, the vast majority of the people because they've been so trained, indoctrinated by the lamestream media. And they're trained only to believe what they hear in the lamestream media. So this is their philosophy. And this is why one of the things that we're doing is we're expanding, and uh, Lord's willing. And I, I don't want to, I'm not going to go into one of those things. Uh, I'm not going to spend time asking for money. I will give my address out if you folks want to support us. We're going to do, I want to do like we did the last time, um, instead of um, begging for money constantly. I just want to have those, those uh, telethons like we did before. Uh, they worked out, you know, fairly good, and that way we don't waste valuable airtime all the time begging for money. But you folks out there, I want to first of all thank all of you that have been supporting us. What we're bringing you, we could not bring you. We could not bring you um, without your support. Your support is absolute vital to us. And uh, 
And by the way, for you folks that sent the money in for the death row inmate, uh, I want to thank you very much. Uh, his TV is on its way. Uh, I'll give our address. Our address is WRWL Ministries. That's WRWL Ministries, 14781 Sperry Road, Newberry, Ohio, 44065. That's WRWL Ministries, 14781 Sperry Road, Newberry, Ohio, 44065. One more time. I know I give it pretty fast. You know, you get used to, to doing it fast because you're up against the clock. That's why I try and write it down when you're talking, and if I can't write it down, I'll ask you to give it again. Okay, it's W-R-W-L-1-4-7-8-1. He must like to work Road. with this guy. Newberry, Ohio, 44065. Um, there you go. If, um, I just want to thank you for giving <clears throat> us here. Let's get to this next article. British Labor Party will make... We'll make fear of Islam an aggravated crime. Now listen, Joe, uh, in 2014, there were twice as many hate crimes against the Jews as against Muslims in England. But guess what, Joe? Uh, in fact, in, in there, uh, they recorded 1,168 incidents against the Jewish population, more than double that of the previous year, but guess what? They're not making any laws about uh, uh, being, having, uh, I guess, what would you call it, Jewish phobia? Yeah. There's no laws, it's only Jewish for Muslims. Phobia, I guess. Yeah. And uh, do you know why that is? The Muslims assert themselves and uh, against the communists. Well, and not only that, but the, the radical Muslims and the communists have been working uh, in an unholy union for years. But British Labour Party, uh, this is an article posted by uh, Jim Hoft, and uh, it goes on to say, and here we thought that the U.S. Communist Party was, well, they used the word Democratic Party, was the nuttiest political group in the whole world. But the British Labour Party announced this week they will outlaw the fear of Islam. Uh, a future leader government committed to outlaw the the, uh, the scourge of Islamophobia by changing the law. This is this is what Hillary. This is exactly they've moved to this stage, and this is what Hillary is is trying to do, saying people will they will adjust and they will change their religious belief. Hillary will force them to change their religious belief. Like their fearer says. Anyhow, it says, uh, we are going to make an aggressive crime. Now, let me start all, all over. A future labor government committed to outlaw the scourge of Islamophobia by changing the law, making it an aggravated crime, according to the party's leader, Ed Milband. Uh, and, and do you know who this guy looks like? He looks like the governor of New York, Cuomo. Oh. We are going to make an aggravate, make it an aggravated crime. We are going to make sure it is marked, it is uh, marked on people's records with the police to make sure they root out Islamophobia as a hate crime. Milban told the editor of the Muslim News, Ahmed J. Virsi, in a wide-ranging exclusive interview. We are going to change the law on this 
So we make it absolutely clear of our abhorrence of the hate crime and Islamophobia. It will be the first time that the police will record Islamophobia attacks right across the country, he said. Um, Labor Party manifesto pledged to take a zero-tolerance approach to hate crime regarding the growth of Islamophobia. Oh, and they say, as well as anti-Semitism. We will challenge prejudice before it grows, whether in schools, universities, or school, or social media. We will strengthen the law on disability, homophobic, and transphobic hate crime. Well, uh, again, um, this is... Joe, do you remember... Insanity. Well, you said liberalism is insanity, and, you know, forcing a law is like saying we're going to get rid of your arachnophobia by passing a law. Mm-hmm. You will no longer be afraid of spiders because we passed a law. But I've got a better one. Do you remember what the 24th was of April? The anniversary of the genocide there of all the Armenian Christians. Oh, yeah. No, the yeah, Armenian yeah. Christians, the Greek Christians, right? Yeah. Well, think about this. Um, Barack Obama, when he was sen- uh, running for the Senate, running for then when he was running for president, he came out and he was talking about he held a firm conviction that the genocide was not an allegation, an opinion, point of view, but fact, documented fact, historical body of evidence. He said, quote, as president, I will recognize the Armenian genocide. America deserves a leader who speaks truthfully about the Armenian genocide and responds forcefully to all genocide. I intend to be that president. Well, note, since taking office, he has refused. The White House again announced for the seventh year he would not use the word genocide in his speech. He would not use the word that he promised to use. Now think about this. This is the same Turkey, the Ottoman Empire, that went in and killed these one and a half million Armenian Christians, two or three hundred thousand Greek Christians, several hundred thousand uh, Assyrian Christians. And today what's happening? In Iraq, the Christians tried to flee Iraq and Syria by going through Turkey to freedom, and Turkey would not let them through. They'd let the uh, uh, freedom fighters through, the terrorists through, they let illegal oil through, but the Christians, they forced back into the killing field. So here Barack Obama will not call what happened back in Armenia, the death of all these Christians, will not call it genocide, but yet he is in charge of the policies that are creating the Christian genocide today, all of the Christians try and flee are just forced back into the killing zone of ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and hundreds of thousands of Christians are being murdered now under his watch. Only this time it's his policies that are causing the genocide. And yet I noticed the news, none of the news picked up on this. Not one single news organization has mentioned this. Well, you know, we've been talking about it here on this radio program, and obviously there you go, the the very same thing again. Now, first of all, Barack Hussein Obama has to lie. Under communism, remember what Marx said, uh, Engels, they all, lying is not an elective. Remember, communism, or what they call progressive socialism, liberalism, is anti-Christ. It's whatever the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ were, they're in total opposition to. And so 
The end always justifies the means of accomplishing the end. He has he has told so many lies since he's been in. First of all, remember, his regime was going to be the most transparent. <laughs> it has been exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he promised he was going to call this a genocide that went on, and he hasn't done it in 70 times, tries. He said he was going to uphold the Constitution. He He's has done everything. He has been totally uh, against the Constitution. He has defiled and gone against it time and time and time again. He said, remember, he would never. He said it was... It was Unpatriotic and a almost borderline, uh, you know, um, almost borderline treason to vote to increase the debt limit. Now remember, he said it was unpatriotic and borderline treason. And what did he do? Five times, five times, he moved to to increase the debt limit. Since he's been in there, he has lied after lie after lie after lie. The health care lies he knew at the time he made all those statements about if you like your doctor, you can keep it if you like your hospital. He knew he was lying every time he opened his mouth then. I can't think of one time except when he said he was going to totally transform this nation, kind of like Hillary. That was the first time I caught him telling the truth. Right. Well... Uh, the better word for this nation would be to destroy. Uh, he, wants, he wants to destroy this nation. He's, he's been doing that. He's just, just about, he's weakened, he's weakened our military. Uh, he has demoralized our military. Uh, we have the smallest navy now that we've ever had. Listen. It would not. It would not surprise me. And I got to tell you, I think I think a lot of these uh, admirals and people in the Navy are thinking the same thing. It would not surprise me if he was to set an aircraft carrier out there. You know how big they are. What a what a target they are with several thousand men on it, and tell them to stand down and and not. Not protect themselves, you know. Give them rules of engagement that were, you know, you don't fire back. I would not surprise me. It would not surprise me a bit if he was to say, "Look, I'm going to to give you for Allah three thousand men on this ship. I will sacrifice these three thousand men for Allah." That would not surprise me one bit. What do you think? Uh, I right now nothing this man can do would surprise me. Uh, I don't think there's any limit to the evil that he is willing to try to do, whether he can get away with it, but he would be willing to try almost anything, I think. You know what surprises me is we opened those phone lines. I expected those phone lines to burn up, um, you know, with the topics and what we're talking about tonight. I think maybe sometimes when you get a real serious topic, a lot of people are thinking and listening and and. Even we get overwhelmed sometimes with the, the just how big things are that are happening in the news, how fast things are happening, and we're on top of it. I can imagine that some of the people find us just overwhelming. I've got an article here. It's a picture uh, of the crescent top in an Islamic temple uh, in Idaho. 
And uh, the title is Muslim Turned Christian Warns of Radical Islam in Idaho. Concerns over radical Islam are emerging in Idaho. This week, a former Muslim turned Christian pastor warned a crowd at a Republican event that the threat of Muslims moving to the state. Speaking to the Bonner County Republican women on Tuesday, Sharam Haden said Muslims who support Sharia law and aim to kill anyone who doesn't agree with their interpretation of Islam are trying to move into the United States and also to Idaho. I have witnessed when they're here. I mean, believe me, you've got, what, over 80 jihadist training camps now. I have witnessed what Islam has done to freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, freedom of the press, the rights of women, the rights of minorities, and the rights of sodomites. The body counters sought daily be quoted Hayden. The rights of any group that disagree with Islamic government. We are in an ideological war, he warned. Don't listen to officials who say we are not in an ideological war. A state house panel recently rejected the child support enforcement bill after Idahoans testified that the state could potentially be bound to enforce Islamic law under the act. I found that interesting. Now, I started asking what they wanted all along. They wanted us to accept their faith, and by accepting their faith, you got to remember that Islam is not a religion. It is a political system, a religious system, and a military system. In other words, it is a caliphate. It is a way of living within a society. The society does not have borders. Now, I started to ask you this before. Uh, that film, do you remember the film that we sent you a DVD, America's Final Warning, Islam's, uh, where it talked about um, um, Europe's fatal mistake? Yes. And have you watched that? Yes, it was one did you, it was did very you... upsetting. My wife found it very upsetting because she mentioned a lot of things that we've talked about that were in that. But it, it really brings it clear. Okay, now, did you see there in England, now here you've got the the police there, I mean, the government in England where they've got no-go zones where the police don't go, they warn you. They've actually got it posted. If you go in there, you're on your own. You won't get Fine, yeah. mm -hmm. But there's a group of Christian activists. They, they be a small group, but they're not afraid. Those are fearless men, fearless fighters, and they're fighting both against the communist political correct government of London and the radical Muslims. Now in areas wherever they where they have these Muslims where they're raping these young girls, they go in and they, they rape these young British girls, these men go in and they shut the mosques down. Uh, they're doing what the government is gutless and like our gutless government is afraid to do. They're going you notice they aren't getting any publicity either. No. But they are right here. This is what we've been talking about. And, and I want to show again... Uh, what a handful of Christians can do if they go to the battle, if they stand. Absolutely. Absolutely. But think so, about that. Here we've got these cities with no-go zones, so Europe is in, they're getting ready to make it a law that you won't have any Islamophobia. You know, you can't be afraid of Islam. At the same time, there's pictures of those signs. You know, don't go there. You will not be able to protect you. 
Now, doesn't that sound like an oxymoron to you, or is it just me? Well, again, who is the author of confusion? Satan. What time are we living in? The end times. Okay. We are in the great apostasy. apostasy. And that's exactly the way it was described in Scripture. It's exactly, it's 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 perfect, a picture perfect, exactly. The time of great confusion, right? Yep. And if that isn't confusion, I don't know what is. It's Just confusion. Just standing there looking at a sign that warns you not to go someplace because it's controlled by Muslims. At the same time, they're passing a law that says it's going to be against the law to be afraid of Islam. Right. So, again, you know, I, I preached a message on that confusion, illusion, and delusion. Uh, and that's exactly what they're doing. And uh, we're, we're there we're at this time. America, you need to stand up. Um, and listen, if you're in a church where you have a pastor or a prissy preacher, he tells you, look... And there's no sense in resisting. The Bible says it's going to happen. If you resist, uh, get out of there. Get out of there because you are you have a hireling in that pulpit. And I'm going to tell you what he will. He he's done sold his Lord out. He will sell you out in a heartbeat. Get out of there and get out of there now. If that's if if that's what you're hearing from him. And you know the other thing, Joe is, uh, you know when they. Uh, when they are uh, FEMA uh, credentialed, they are not allowed to tell them. And so, folks, uh, if you ask them, take a look at their face, look them dead in the eye, and see what they say when they answer you. Often, what happens is the the eyes are the windows of the soul, aren't they, Joe? They sure are. That's what. Well, that's what God tells us. Yep. So. Anyhow, we're out of time. I want to remind the folks again, uh, tomorrow we will be out there at the corner of Rockside and Route 43 in Bedford, uh, rescuing those being led to slaughter and drawn to death because we really do believe the Word of God, and that's why we're called doers of the Word. So we'll be out there at about 9 a.m. or 9.45. So if you'd like to come out and join us, we'd be, we'd be more than happy to have you. If you want to be a doer of the Word, Stand up against the darkness, the, the sinister darkness. Fight against the night. Joe, the more who are willing to help carry the load, the lighter the burden. Absolutely. And this is our time. God has raised us up right now for such a time as this. So it's, it's now or never, Joe. And uh, for me and mine, uh, we are going to fight on the Lord's side. Amen. Amen to that. Each and every day that he gives us, right? Right. Well, we're coming to the end of the program, so we want to say um, until tomorrow, good good night. God bless. And remember, always, always. You ready, Joe? Ready. Keep, Keep fighting the fight. listening to the voice of the Christian resistance. What's right, what's left. Hosted by Pastor Ernie Sanders. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.wrwl.org. Please tune in next time for another edition of What's Right, What's Left.
gentlemen, I'm Alfred Adisk, and this is Financial Survival for Friday, the first day of May, year of our Lord, 2015. Melody's playing hooky today. He's going to a nephew's college graduation, so I will do the program all by myself. Um, start with the market reports. Gold is down $10.20 to $1,174.80 per ounce. Silver is off $0.06 cents to $16.14 an ounce. Platinum is down 16 bucks to $1,131 per ounce. Palladium is down 6 bucks, $775 per ounce. Bad day, uh, not a tragic day, but a bad day for precious metals. Um, let me put that in perspective a little bit. Precious metals are a little bit higher than they were, or roughly, uh, they're, they're, they're basically unchanged in the last 30 days. They have been going up, they've been going down, they've been going up. It's been volatile. All right. We've got, if you look at a graph of the last 30 days, it says there's a sawtooth effect here. And the market has been, on average, moving sideways. And that's really been true for oh, a good 60 days. We've had some dramatic ups, some dramatic lows, um, but the market has basically moved sideways uh, for the last 60 days. But it's been volatile. And what that often indicates, if you follow charts, and insofar as charts can be relied on in a world where numbers appear to be manipulated, I mean, I don't know what you can tell off of charts if it's true that the powers that be are setting the price of gold or trying to force it down, and other the market is trying to force the price up. What is the real price? It's hard to say. And what are the values of charts? if we live in a world where the numbers are manipulated. You know, I mean, what, does chart, what do charts tell us? Um, are the trends reliable? Insofar as the charts are reliable, and we see them moving sideways, we see the price moving sideways over the course of the last 60 days, and really we could probably go, we can almost go back three months for that sideways movement. Um, with volatility, it indicates that a change is on. We're, we may be on the verge of a dramatic change, that the, that the trend, which has been sideways, when it becomes volatile, it will often suddenly go up or suddenly go down, and we'll talk more about that in when we finish with the balance of the, of the uh, report. But... You know, what does it all mean right now? Well, for me, it means that it means more for me. Price of gold goes down. That just means it's easier to buy. It's less expensive to purchase. And, you know, you buy and you buy and you buy. And you keep stacking as best you can against what I believe is a moment when we're going to see a serious decline in the price of paper assets. And when that moment arrives, whether it comes next week or next year, don't know. When that moment arrives, I believe that the price of the purchasing power, the value of gold, will increase dramatically as the value and purchasing power of paper debt instruments like stocks and bonds and pension funds 
fall dramatically, but we'll watch and see. Will that happen? I can't give you prophecy. I can only say that's what I think will happen. Let's continue with the balance of the report. Dow Jones is up 180 points today to 18,019. Dow Jones has also been moving sideways. You know, just as gold has been hanging more or less around the $1,200 per ounce range for a month or more, Dow Jones has been hanging around the 18,000 mark. All right, for the last couple of months. It has some moments when it goes significantly above. It has moments when it falls. It seems below, but it hangs around 18,000. NASDAQ is up 56 points to 4,998. New York Stock Exchange is up 84 points, almost 85, to 11,134. U.S. dollar index is up 0.48 to 95.24, but this is another this is another important point. The dollar index was pushing up against the 100 mark back perhaps a month ago. It has since it apparently that was its peak. The dollar grew was growing more valuable, particularly on international markets. Um, it was growing more valuable as measured on the U.S. dollar index, which is the U.S. dollar teeter-totter. We've got the dollar on one end of the teeter-totter. On the other end, we have six foreign fiat currencies. And we weigh them against each other. The dollar index measures the relationship between those seven currencies. Dollar index on one side, or dollar on one end of the teeter-totter, and the other six currencies on the other end. And when those other six currencies are significantly inflated, the their end of the of the uh, pen the, of the uh, the teeter totter goes down, and the other end where the dollar sits goes up, which means the dollar becomes deflated in a direct relationship between the U.S. dollar and these six foreign currencies. So oh, we've all heard. Japan is trying to inflate the current their currency. European Union trying to inflate their currency. Well, the net result of this attempt to inflate currencies in foreign countries to stimulate their economy causes inflation. They've had some success. They generate inflation for their currencies. But when they do, because the dollar sits on the other end of this U.S. dollar index teeter-totter, the Foreign currencies are inflated, and then they go down in value, and the dollar goes up. It deflates. And when it does, it's not a good thing for the U.S. economy. Well, it's at least not a good thing for U.S. exports. Because when the dollar becomes more valuable, it becomes our exports become less competitive on foreign markets. They can buy, people can buy products from Europe that are basically identical to products from the United States, but because the European uh, currency, the euro, has been inflated and losing value, they can get better deals out of Europe than they can out of the United States, and therefore Europe tends to be stimulated by inflation, while the U.S. tends to be destimulated, if there is such a word, and pushed deeper into recession and perhaps even toward depression by deflation. European currency is inflated. 
U.S. currency is deflated. Two ends of the teeter-totter. When one goes into inflation, the other one goes into deflation. We've had deflation on the international level as measured by the U.S. dollar index. It's been, it's been present for most of a year now. And we've seen the dollar increase in purchasing power and value by up to 25% during that year. That's bad for exports. It's also bad for borrowing. It means it's more it means that people tend to pay off their debts with more valuable dollars. Now most of this problem has happened on the international level rather than the domestic level. But just the same, we've seen some influence where if you're a debtor, if you're a borrower, you're going to pay off, you're going to have some slight inflation so or excuse me, deflation so far in the US economy. And that means Less people borrow. And if less people borrow because they have to pay off on more expensive dollars, it means less people are spending. That means that uh, corporate profits are declining. That means corporations will tend to lay off personnel. If people are laid off, they have less money to spend. We have less money to spend. We have less profits for a corporation. We get caught in this deflationary spiral, which can be extremely dangerous to debtors. And it can be dangerous to businesses and to employment. And it's a hallmark of most economic depressions. So, what's it all mean? It means that the government has a vested interest in reestablishing some measure of inflation in this country. It is by means of inflation that the government expects to stimulate the economy and restore the economy back to some sort of economic health. Now that argument may not be that that argument is certainly what they're trying to do. And they know that they can't bring the country back to economic significant restore significant economic activity in a period of deflation. Deflation is contrary to the best interests of all debtors. Who's the biggest debtor in the world? The United States government. We have a lot of incentives where the people in positions of power should be working to cause the U.S. dollar to become increasingly inflated rather than deflated. Um, And I'm going to guess that they will now try to push for more inflation. They let it deflate for most of the last year, at least at the international level. I'm going to guess that the damage done has been sufficient to a point where the Federal Reserve and the United States government will no longer allow the dollar to be deflated and become more valuable and will try to be more active in making the dollar inflate and thereby stimulate the economy and increase exports and allow people to borrow money and pay back the debt with cheaper dollars and hopefully thereby stimulate the economy. In a rational world, that's probably what they should do. But do we live in a rational world? And do we really have people in positions of power in our government? We're going to do what's right for the American people rather than what's best for certain special interests and perhaps long-range plans for things like the New World Order. 
lot of people think the answer to those questions is no. So what are we going to do? You know, we've had a difficult couple of years here for gold and precious metals. But we still have to look at fundamentals, not trends, fundamentals, and ask ourselves, in my opinion, the question is, can the paper debt instruments like stocks, bonds, pension funds, bank accounts, can they continue to hold their value or are they headed for some sort of a collapse? We'll talk more about that in just a moment. First, let me just finish by finish the market report by mentioning crude oil. Uh, it's down 48 cents a barrel to $59.15 per barrel, which is not cause for alarm. I mean, oil is going back up. It went down to about $45. It may have dropped, dropped a little below 40 briefly, but $45 was basically the bottom. And it's now back up after being up over 100, fell down to 45, was very scary, difficult for people who were invested in crude oil. It's now back up to $59.15 per barrel. That's a decent recovery for crude oil. All right. And it's, it's evidence that deflation is waning. The forces of deflation are being Reduced. I don't mean that they're stopped necessarily, but again, from my perspective, the government and the Federal Reserve should have powerful incentives to cause the dollar to be inflated rather than deflated, and I'm guessing that we're going to see them act on those incentives, and we're going to see more inflation in the near future rather than more deflation. We'll watch and see if that turns out to be true. If it does turn out to be true, we should definitely see the price of gold and other precious metals, commodities, tangible investments rise while we wait for a problem with the... Uh, with the paper debt instruments and the equities markets and so on. Um, let me talk about Mark Faber. He's the author of the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. Here's an article from CNBC. Faber was recently interviewed and said that he believes stocks, the headline is Mark Faber, stocks are about to fall 40% at least. Now, you know, is this a tr it's true that he said this? It's almost certainly true that he's right, but it's also true that he doesn't know when. Right? He can't tell you if the stocks are going to fall 40% next week or if they're going to fall 40% three years from now. But what he does say is this. He, again, he's the editor of the Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report. He believes stocks in the U.S. and in many places around the globe are in a central bank-fueled bubble. And I think he's right. The markets, the market prices are artificially manipulated to stay high in order to encourage people's confidence in their national economy. And it's not just happening here in the United States. It's happening in countries around the world. They're trying to maintain, they're trying to fuel booms in their markets because people tend to look at that as a reliable barometer and indicator of how their economy is doing. If their national markets are doing well, then they say, okay, things are cool. 
You know, you know, we're doing okay. If the markets go down, people, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. Much of the public's reaction to the markets is irrational. They aren't really that much of an indicator of what the economy is doing. They still are. I understand it's you know they are to some degree an indicator. But if we, if you are inclined to believe the idea that market prices are manipulated, then what does that tell us about the economy? It tells us that the price and the markets are set by people who want to maintain some sort of an illusion or they want to exploit the markets for their own benefit. But those manipulated prices, if they are manipulated, those manipulated prices are not the free market. They're not telling us. If the prices are manipulated in our, in our precious metals, in our equities, and so on, if they're manipulated and artificially influenced, they're not giving us an accurate indication of what's happening in our economy. I use an analogy all the time that uh, I use it on a regular basis. When they manipulate the market, it's like walking into someone's home and holding a match under the thermometer that's associated with the thermostat uh, in your home. And it might be freezing. Your home might be freezing, but as long as they hold a match under the thermometer, they can say, oh, look, it's very comfortable. 60 degrees, 70 degrees, 80 degrees. You can sit around and put on your Bermuda shorts, you know, kick back, get your sandals. When the temperature, in fact, is 20 degrees, but because the thermometer is being artificially stimulated and manipulated, we People are saying, oh, my gosh, it's warm out. We're okay. It's warm. It's 80 degrees in this house. And it's just not true. Well, the markets are like that thermometer. And if you accept the idea that they're being manipulated, then the, then the temperature that we get from our thermometer, like the Dow Jones, for example, or the New York Stock Exchange, the temperatures we're reading don't tell us. The temperatures we read on our thermometer they're not really telling us what's what what the what the uh, what the actual temperature in our home or in our economy really is. We're being misled, being and deceived. And if that's the case, then you have to start looking and say, why do I invest in this, that, or the other? How do I make my investment choices? It can't be based on trends. It has to be based on fundamentals, and we have to operate, or at least I do, on the assumption that sooner or later the truth will out, and when it does, those who have been able to find that truth and invest accordingly are going to prosper dramatically, and those who haven't found it, you know, they're in for a problem. Let's take a break for some commercial announcements. I'm Alfred Addisk, and we'll be back on Financial Survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned.
heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Addisk, and this is Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver, 1-800-375-4188. For all your gold and silver coin needs, give Melody a call, 1-800-375-4188. We're talking about, in part, talking about an article where Mark Faber, uh, the author of Gloom, Boom, and Doom Report, He's predicting that stocks are due for a 40% fall, uh, reported by CNBC. And I want to finish up with that a little bit. He says, for the past two years, I've been thinking that U.S. stocks are due for a correction. But I always say a bubble is a bubble. And if there's no correction, the market will go up, and one day it will go down big time. And what he's communicating here is this idea. It's hard to know. It's, there's not much doubt that the markets are being supported by a bubble, artificial stimulation. The government has injected and the Federal Reserve has injected a certain amount of 
fiat currency into the economy. They've tried to inflate prices, at least in the markets. And they've had some success at doing it. They've held the markets up. Dow Jones, for example, at 18,000 or thereabouts for a while. Faber believes this is a bubble, meaning the price is artificially sustained. And when he says, I always say a bubble is a bubble, well, he's belaboring the obvious. Of course it is. But if it is a bubble, it's going to pop. And while it might take years to inflate a bubble, when the bubble pops, it deflates almost instantly. And that's what, he's, that's what he's talking about here. He says one day the markets will go down big time. When it comes, the market will be 30% or 40% minimum. Uh, and he means the fall in the market. That quote is not uh, what I'm reading is the text that's in the paper. But he, he was meaning when it comes, the market fall will be 30 to 40% minimum, could be more. He's not the first person to suggest that kind of fall is possible. <clears throat> and the point I'm making here is I'm just so look, we've had a difficult number of years, three, four years in the gold markets, that's true. But this has been a correlative of artificial stimulation for the paper markets, in my opinion. And if it's true that the stimulation, if the fiber is right, that the stimulation in the paper markets will necessarily end with a bubble that goes pop. All right, if that's what's going to happen here, then it's not unreasonable to sit back and say, where do I want my money? Where do I want to invest my wealth at this time? There's a, uh, you know, gold is, uh, for inflation-adjusted price of gold, is near an all-time low right now. And historically, uh, people understand fundamental principle of investing is you buy low and you sell high. And if gold is at, a, at or near uh, an all-time low when it's adjusted for inflation, it tells us now's the time to get some gold. And the problem with this is why is that while we can sit back and say this, on a rational basis, well, buy low and sell high. Everybody gets it. There's not one person in the audience that doesn't understand that if you want to buy a product or you want to buy an investment, the object is to buy low, pay $100 for it at a low price because you know that the price is going to go to $200 and you can make a $100 profit. You buy low, you sell high. It's obvious. But the problem is it's not simply rational. It's counterintuitive. Everyone sits back and says, oh, my gosh, the price is falling. The price is going down. I don't want to buy now. I'm going to wait till what? Till it's high? And I can have confidence in, in, in buying. I will derive my confidence from the trend. You see? And when the trend is reestablished for a bull market, then I'll buy. Well, the maximum profit is obtained by those who anticipate the bull market and buy when the market is low and most people say you're crazy to buy. That's the time to buy. 
And it's counterintuitive because we don't want to. It seems risky. It seems, oh, my gosh, I don't want to. Everybody says you're crazy. No, that's the time. That's the time. I think it was Baron Rothschild that said the time to buy is when the blood is running in the streets, talking about stocks. When everybody thinks the world is coming to an end, that's the time to get in there and buy those stocks or whatever other investment you're interested in. All right, you wait for maximum difficulty, and that's when you get the best deals. And then when things smooth out and they get better, you make extraordinary profits. It's just hard to do that because it takes real courage to allow yourself to be, be persuaded by your own reason rather than the trend. You look out and say, look, the price is down. That proves that it's not a good investment. No, that proves it's a great investment. But everybody else says it's a bad investment. Well, the point is if you want to get, if you want to get what everybody else gets, then you do what everyone else does. And the people that profit are the ones when the whole world says this is a bad investment. Huh? That's the time you need to think about it. Now, sometimes the world is right. Sometimes they say, <laughs> it's like Enron stock or something. There comes a point where the whole world says, this is stupid, don't invest in this anymore, and they're right. But there's also times when you look at investments from a fundamental perspective and you sit back and say, wait, everybody else says this is no good at this time. This is not, a, this is not attractive at this moment. Now you have a choice. If you look at the fundamentals and you agree, but wait a second, I think this is undervalued. I think this is going to go much higher. That's the time you step away from the crowd and you do what the crowd is not doing. The whole idea of contrarian investing means you've got to think for yourself. And you've got to look particularly on one of the great signs. If the whole world says a particular item is a great investment, now is probably the time to bail out. If the whole world says a particular item is now a bad investment, that's probably the time to buy in. And if you do, you'll be acting almost entirely based on your own judgment. You will be defying the trend. To buy low you and sell high means you have to have sufficient intelligence and knowledge and courage to do what virtually everyone else is not doing. Well, at the moment, I think gold falls into that buy low situation. Uh, Mr. Faber, he says at one point, he says, I'm not interested in momentum. I'm interested to buy value. What he means by that? Momentum, he means the trend. I'm not interested if it's a bull market. I'm not interested in if it's a bear market. I'm interested in buying value. I'm looking at individual stock and stock investments. I'm looking at bonds. I'm looking at gold and silver and different whatever commodities. I'm looking at all of it, and I'm saying, what is low right now? Where do I get my best value? I don't care about the trend. I don't care if it's going up, going down, sideways. I don't care. Where do I get my best value? He understands. You can't run with the trend. You know, a lot of people, and we've said it on the program ourselves, that the trend is your friend. And that's not always true. The trend can also be your deceiver. 
if you're going to run with the trend, you are betting your investment future on what everyone else is doing. If you want to make a profit, you're going to have to think for yourself and recognize that when everyone else is going left, it's the time to go right. When everyone else goes right, it's the time to go left. It is or it's nearly. You know, timing is difficult to do, but nevertheless, you can, you can guesstimate where the market is going by looking where most people think it's going. The trend can be your friend, but... Sometimes it can be a deceptive friend. And if you're going to make investments, you have to keep your eyes peeled. You have to look out and say, wait, wait, what is happening right now? What's happening right now? Where do I want to be? In any case, um, Mr. You know, Mr. Faber, he agrees with the idea, with the general idea that, that, that I talk about on this program in general perspective. Um, paper markets are going to take a significant fall at some point in the future. And the unfortunate reality is that no one can point to the moment when that's going to happen or even the quarter when it's going to happen. We have people that are saying, oh, it's September. It's September. Eh, maybe. I won't say it's not going to happen. But nobody really knows. And there's the problem. And, again, if you want to buy low, sell high, you're going to have to think for yourself. If you're going to buy low, you're going to buy at a time when the herd is saying sell, sell, sell. If you're going to sell high, you're going to buy, you're going to sell at a time when the herd is saying buy, buy, buy. That's when you sell. That's when you make that profit. And it's, you know, it's not just a function of intelligence. It's not just a function of knowledge. It's a function of courage and independence and a willingness to stand on your own two feet. So, Having said that, let's move on. Here's prosecutor, something from the Washington Times. Prosecutor rules Freddie Gray's death a homicide. Six officers charged in death. Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby announced Friday that Freddie Gray's death has been ruled a homicide. Marilyn Mosby, again, Baltimore State's attorney, announced criminal charges against all six officers suspended after Freddie Gray suffered a fatal spinal injury while in police custody. Um, six officers have been slapped with multiple charges, including manslaughter and misconduct, and seemingly odd, oddly to me, well, the driver of the truck of the police wagon inside which Mr. Gray suffered his mortal injury was also charged with second-degree murder. Now, that strikes me as I, I, I don't understand that at all. Implication is that five of the officers were five, or at least some of the officers were charged with manslaughter, but only the driver was charged with the more serious offense of second-degree murder. And I don't understand how the driver unless it happened when the when the vehicle was stopped how did the driver get away from the seat in order to kick punch do whatever to freddie gray i mean the one guy who shouldn't have been able to strike freddie gray should have been the driver and yet we have he's been charged with second degree murder ms mobley the prosecutor again has said no one is above the law that is a bunch of crapola there's lots of politicians that are above the law Nevertheless, in this particular instance, it looks like the police are going to pay a price on this. 
She was also quick, quick to note the charges were not an indictment of the entire force. At some point while he was in custody, Mr. Gray suffered a mysterious spinal injury and died a week later. Ms. Mobley said the officers failed to get Gray medical help even though he requested it repeatedly after he was arrested on April 12th. Ms. Mobley also determined that Gray's arrest by the Baltimore police was unwarranted. All right. And there's there's truth in that. It's it's true that Gray requested medical help. They didn't give it. They didn't provide it. That's going to cost the city of Baltimore a bunch of dollars. All right. Whoever Gray's relatives are, parents, family, whatever, they're about to read. They're, they're going to be able to retire probably about 18 months, two years from now by the time they get fooling. And maybe not even that long. There might be a settlement reached much more quickly, <clears throat> much, much sooner. Um, was Gray's arrest justified? No, it wasn't. It was unwarranted, just as they say. They're right about that. Uh, <clears throat> all Gray reportedly did, and Gray had been arrested nearly 20 times. And I've seen his arrest record, or at least I've seen one source on the Internet that Liz gives a list of the crimes that Gray has been arrested for. And somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, I didn't count them. I'd heard he'd, 20 arrests. he'd been arrested 20 times or thereabouts. But I scanned the list, and virtually all of the arrests were for petty offenses. All right. Most of them were for drug dealing or drug possession which is evidence that Mr. Gray was not all that smart. Huh? I mean, if you're going to be arrested 20 times for drug dealing and or drug possession, <clears throat> I didn't notice. It might be there, but I didn't notice. He's not been arrested for murder. He's not been arrested for rape or armed robbery. <clears throat> He's pretty much just a petty drug dealer who's been dumb enough to get caught something like 20 times. Now, all by itself, it means the cops know him. They say, oh, there's Freddie. You can bet he's got some drugs on him. We've got to get somebody. We've got to throw somebody in the slammer today. Let's get Freddie. You know, you can count on Freddie. He's always got some crack hidden on him someplace. We'll find it. Let's find him. We throw him in the slammer, fill out the paperwork, and it's Miller time, you know. Get down, get out of here, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Freddie was an easy mark for the cops, and therefore, and he had to know it in his own way, and the cops presumably knew it. And according to reports in the New York Times in the last couple of days, they said that Freddie Gray merely made eye contact with the cops, and then he took off running. Well, if I'd been arrested 20 times for anything, I would know that the cops are going to bust me every chance they can because I'm easy game. I, they can fill in their arrest quota. and the rest. Well, we threw Freddie in the slammer again. I'd probably take off running, too. I'm not here to justify Freddie. I'm, I'm just saying, look, this was his arrest was unwarranted. All he did is look at the cops and take off running. And the cops said, okay. Freddie's up to something. Let's get him. It has to take more than that to justify an arrest. You've got to see someone commit an actual crime, not just run. Huh? In the final end, certainly it doesn't warrant what's happened. The man's dead because he made eye contact. 
the whole thing is a farce. The arrest was unwarranted. He wasn't cared for properly. I'm not here to justify. He was a hard, he was a, you know habitual criminal, but small time. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about race when we return after some commercials. We'll be back on financial survival in just a moment. Please stay tuned. provided strength. Indeed, the chemical compounds of thyme contain antioxidants, an effective germicide that kills whooping cough bacteria and makes breathing easier. Just imagine what you can do with thyme herb when it comes to respiratory ailments like croup, pneumonia, asthma, and sinusitis. The extra benefit of thyme herb is that it soothes the nerves and stops spasmodic coughing, so you can get some rest. Who says you don't have time to take care of yourself? Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free for time, tincture, and tea to soothe your cough and get some rest. 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International, 704-875-8010. Or online at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Everyone knows the death of Freddie Gray in Baltimore has precipitated riots in Baltimore. I've seen reports that up to 100 police officers have been injured. Blacks are angry that Freddie died in the uh, in police custody. The question of police abuse of blacks um, is. You know, much in the news, everybody's riveted by that. It's not just blacks, in my opinion. The police in this country, we have gone too far into a police state. I'm not here as a liberal to defend blacks, per se, but I am here to say the cops have gone too far. And it's not a surprise that we see the black community reacting. Now, but 
did the reaction and the riots, did they really stem just from the death of Freddie Gray? You know, it's like saying Freddie Gray is the primer in a in a nine millimeter bullet. Did the bullet fly out of the gun and hit somebody a hundred yards away because the primer went off? Or did it happen because the primer went off into the shell casing which was holding already holding a bunch of gunpowder? What's responsible for that nine millimeter bullet flying through the barrel and hitting somebody and killing them? Is it the primer or is it the gunpowder? And the answer is both. It's not just one or the other. But the primary force of that bullet is from the gunpowder, not the primer. Freddie Gray has been the primer. But was Freddie Gray's death really the gunpowder that makes the bullet fly down the barrel of the gun? And my, and my belief is not the answer is no. And to illustrate what I'm talking about, here's a headline from the Associated Press. And it says, uh, Jeb Bush, give 11 million immigrants chance to stay. Now, Jeb Bush, of course, is the governor of Florida, brother of George W. Bush, <clears throat> and son of George Bush Sr., who have both been presidents of the United States. And Jeb is being touted as a Oh, it's certainly a contender for the Republican nomination for the presidency in 2016. He's actually former Florida governor, but former, former Florida governor Jeb Bush declared Wednesday that 11 million immigrants in the country illegally should have an opportunity to stay, waiting yet again to in, into his party's contentious immigrant debate. All right, when we look to causes... For the riots in Baltimore by blacks. This is one of the causes. It's not just Freddie Freddie Gray died. It's we've we have a government that is has allowed millions of illegal immigrants to enter this country. They won't protect our own borders. And as a result, where are these immigrants going to go? Whose jobs are they going to take? And the answer is the illegal aliens coming in are taking jobs that would otherwise have gone to blacks. And insofar as our government allows the illegal, illegal aliens, illegal aliens, the government would rather have people commit crimes that are Hispanic and then provide jobs for the black people in our, in our, in our country. Insofar as government allows the illegal aliens to enter into this country and allows illegal aliens to take jobs that would otherwise go to blacks, the government is raising the rate of unemployment among blacks. They're raising the rate of poverty among blacks. They're raising the rate of desperation among blacks. And when somebody like Freddie Gray dies, We've got all that gunpowder. It's already laying around here, just waiting to explode. All right. What else? We've got another headline down here. Let's see the next one. The Great Black Hope. Uh, this is from the Washington Times. Race relations deteriorate on Obama's watch. This is the headline. Um, the, the headline, let me read it. The Great Black Hope. Uh, race relations deteriorate on Obama's watch. All right. This is in the Washington Times. 
A new poll that shows that nearly half of Americans believe race relations, relations, relations have worsened over the course of Barack Obama's presidency. 39% believe relations between blacks and whites have worsen, worsened since Mr. Obama took office. 15% say re, re, race relations have improved, and 45% say they've stayed the same. 45% of whites and 26% of blacks think they have worsened. Now, here's my point. Here we have Obama, who is black, right? or at least apparently so. Um, he was certainly a, a, elected as a black man. That was the presumption. What he is, I don't know. I don't honestly know whether he's black, white, Muslim, Christian. The man is something of a mystery to a lot of people, certainly to me. Uh, but one thing... I've observed, we, we, you all saw the reports oh, a few years ago. Let's see, it would probably be, I don't remember which election, but at least, at least the last election, maybe the one before that. I think it's been at least three years ago. Obama and his attorney general, Eric Holder, did nothing when members of the Black Panthers prevented white people from voting and I don't remember if it was in Florida or Georgia or someplace. I don't recall clearly. They did just sat on their hands and said, no problem. You know, if white people prevented blacks from voting, they would have been screaming that these white people had to be arrested and prosecuted. But when black people, black panthers, they prevented whites from voting, there was no, there was no governmental reaction. No problem. That's okay. This was evidence of racism in favor of blacks by President Obama and by Eric Holder, the Attorney General, who's also black. Right? And everybody understood this. Everybody sat back and they said, oh, these are racist black, racist black man in the presidency, racist black man in the Attorney General's office. But... We also see that under Obama's watch, he wants to protect the illegal aliens. He wants to reduce, and he has succeeded in reducing the rate of deportation of illegal aliens. And in doing so, he has helped to decimate the black community. We have a black man in the presidency or ostensibly black who should be sensitive to these issues who's simply saying screw the blacks he wants more mexicans in this country i don't know how to figure that i mean that is so that is so strange to me i i i would expect that obama should be sensitive to the racial implications of allowing more Mexicans into this country illegally who will take jobs that would otherwise have gone to blacks. How does a black president justify that? I don't know, but what I'm saying is this is part of the rationale behind black frustration in Baltimore and other cities. And I'm not here to justify what blacks are doing, but I am here to say, look, we're going to have to look at causes. And I'm not here to say that blacks are innocent in this situation. We're going to run out of time on this program before we probably get to black complicity, all right, to the extent that I might like to 
express this, but I'm still getting down to this fundamental idea. Government has created circumstances where, look, if I was black, I'd be rioting too. I would also understand this. And they are contributing to these riots. It's not just Freddie Gray. It's not just some guy who gets beat up by the cops. We are looking at the result of forces that have been set in motion by our government, and these forces are doing great harm to the people, to the economy. Right? And I have, it's very difficult to justify. The only rationale, the rationale for allowing the illegal aliens into this country is they're not, you know, they're not bringing jobs with them. Where are they going to work? What are they going to have? We already have a high rate of unemployment, and they're allowing more illegal aliens to come into this country. What can that mean other than higher rates of crime, more drug dealing, more whatever? People try to survive doing anything they can. We don't have enough jobs for the people that belong here. Why are we allowing more people to come in? We're going to try to take jobs from the people who belong here. And the answer, in my opinion, is because the government wants the New World Order. The government wants the North American Union. The government wants so many Mexicans in this country that they will, we will no longer be able to draw a line between the United States of America and the nation of Mexico. And by doing that, by flooding the country with enough Mexicans, they help to create the North American Union. We won't be able to separate Mexico from the United States. And the result will be, hmm, perhaps good for multinational corporations and good for the new world order, but it's going to be terrible for the American people. And the government is willing to do that, even if it means that blacks are going to be driven to a point where they're rioting, burning poor parts of cities to the ground. Why? <laughs> so they can create a North American Union. That's what I think is going to happen here. <clears throat> Here's another article from Yahoo News, and this is after Baltimore what hope for change? Well, in fact, uh, we're out of time, so I'm not going to be able to get into this deeper now. We may get on to it on Monday. I want to thank all of you for listening to the program. We'll talk more about race on Monday. Have a good weekend. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. 
If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. And this is the American Independence Hour. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Steffen, to deliver two hours of something that hopefully isn't too silly, might be educational, informative. Some of what we say may even turn out to be true. Do my little dance of the seven veils when we start the program. That's where I advise people that I am a man made in God's image. As per Genesis 1, 26 through 28, which says, On the sixth day God created man in his image and gave man dominion over the animals. <clears throat> in fact, they gave him dominion over the animals. It means that man is not an animal. Uh, they're separate. They're two separate classes of being, and the only explanation for the distinction is the fact that man is made in God's image. Those of us who are made in God's image are not animals. Those of you who uh, regard yourself as not being made in God's image, for example, atheists, then perhaps you are an animal. I don't know. At least in your own mind, certainly in the government government's mind, maybe even in the judgment of God. If you want to treat yourself like an animal or be treated like an animal, well, that's I guess that's up to you. But in any case, my first order of business, I'm a man made in God's image, um, point one. And point two, I'm endowed by my creator with certain unalienable rights as per the Declaration of Independence. Uh, point three, I'm broadcasting within the borders from within the borders of the state of Texas, a member state of the Perpetual Union, styled the United States of America. And what else? Acting at arm's length. Don't represent anyone other than my... I don't represent anyone. I am simply here in my own proper capacity. I could probably... There's, a, there's at least one other one I wanted to remember... But this is part of my dance of the seven veils. And the purpose of this is to try to eliminate any presumptions that people might have. For example, let's suppose the government's listening to the program and say, ha ha, we're going to get that guy at us. We get him. And if they're listening to the program, <laughs> I've just given them notice that I'm not an animal. And my reading of the law suggests that much of what government does depends on the presumption that all of us are just animals. Right? And as animals, we have no significant rights. And so long as we act in the capacity of animals, you can't sit back there, Declaration of Independence, it says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, not animals, all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. 
That endowment of unalienable rights goes to all men, ultimately, in my opinion, that are made in God's image. It does not go to animals. There's no unalienable rights for animals. They don't have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Animals don't get that. If you are prepared to appear in the capacity of an animal, you can't lay claim to the rights that are discussed or declared in the Declaration of Independence. And I believe that's what's going on, and we've we've talked about this on the program a number of times. You've heard me all you've heard me talk about it, but the definition of food and drugs, beginning in the nineteen oh six Pure Food and Drug Act, defines food and drugs to mean the word food is what's given to man or other animals. Animals. Uh, drugs is a, a, a given to man or other animals. The phrase man or other animals is the same as pigs or other animals, horses or other animals, canaries or other birds, trout or other fish. They make sense telling you that the trout is a specific example of the generic class fish, and that's what the word other ultimately means. Trout or other fish. Specific kind of fish, trout. We know that because it says or other. It doesn't say trout or fish. That would mean that the trout is not a fish. It says trout or other fish. It says man or other animals. They're telling us that the government believes the man is an animal. It's true for the definition of food, definition of drugs, definition of devices, as in medical devices at Title 21, Section 321 of the United States Code. It's also true, I believe it was under Title 50, but I might not be recalling correctly, but we found it, someone else found it, matter of fact, and, and sent information on it, you know, notice of it to me, and posted it on my blog. I can't, I believe it's Title 50, I don't know the section, but under definitions, they also have a series of definitions where, again, we have uh, items that are defined in terms of man or other animals. So I'm just trying to give notice. If you're listening, you know, anybody from the NSA or the CIA or the FBI or anybody else, if you're listening to the program, you got notice. I am not an animal. Do you understand that? And I do that because... To my peculiar and perhaps paranoid way of thinking, by putting out that notice, I'm at least raising some obstacles where people can't just go kick in the door under the presumption, ultimately, that I am an animal and I have no significant rights. If they've been listening to these programs, they should pick up on the idea, uh-oh, this guy claims to be a man made in God's image. What are we going to do about that? We're going to have to fight him on that point. And even if we defeat him at the trial court level, he'll probably take it up on appeal. He might take it up on several levels of appeal. And on the off chance that he's smart enough to actually win a court case or an appeal, a lot of damage could be done to the system if it turned out the court had to admit that they can't presume the people to be animals. Now, that's my interpretation. That's my thinking about it. Of course, if anyone in a position of authority was listening to the program, they might just burst out laughing. And say, oh, the guy's out of his mind. The guy's crazy. Well, they might be right. But I'm not hurting anything by simply either government does or does not presume that you and I are animals. 
as I read the law, it, that must be a, that must be a true presumption, at least in relationship to some titles, maybe in relation to all of them. Um, if I'm mistaken, and government does presume and says, "Oh yeah, he's a man made in God's image," we got that. Yeah, we believe that. If they do, then I've made a little fool out of myself. But I haven't heard anything. I've just clarified that I am a man made in God's image, endowed by my creator, certain unalienable rights. And the court says, yes, yes, we know that. You didn't think we actually thought you were an animal, did you, Mr. Hedges? Well, yeah, I kind of did. Well, let me assure you that we don't think that way. Well, good. I'm glad to hear it. Point I'm trying to make. By doing my little dance of the seven veils here, or four veils or five or whatever it is, I'm simply trying to raise an obstacle to presumptions. I'm raising an issue, taking a chance, maybe I'm mistaken. If I'm right, it's important and I think powerful. If I'm wrong, no harm done. And I think one of the most important things when you start talking about strategies that you might use to deal with the courts and whatever, it's, not, it's hard enough to get a strategy that might be accurate, might be valid. What you need to do in addition to that is try to develop a strategy that at least won't get you any deeper than you already are. That's a little bit like uh, physician do thy patient no harm. When you talk about some of these things, you know, if you can get a strategy, it might make you look a little silly, but it's not going to get you an extra three years on your sentence. It's not going to see your fine jump from $500 to 5000 it's just enough to make the judge shake his head, maybe so, these, these idiot pro se's. Well, I can live with that. Right? I can live with that until I find someone in a position of power within the government who can explain to me that the phrase man or other animals, which I've seen, I've seen at the federal level and at the state of Texas level and in five other states where we've looked for it, Right, and is probably found in all or most of the remainder of the states in this country. Somebody's going to have to stand up and say, no, we do not presume the people to be animals, despite what the law apparently reads. And until that, I'm doing the dance, baby. Got to dance, got to dance. You know, I feel like, I uh, can't remember who was it, got Steve to Martin. dance. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Martin, it was... Uh, Another guy, he was in, uh, I don't know, Broadway Melody or something like that back in the 50s. I can't think of his name anymore, some dancer. I don't remember his name exactly, but he sang a song, Gotta Dance. So, yada, yada. I do my little dance. And uh, for what it's worth, I also have a creed attached to my email. And anyone who receives an email from me sees a long, lengthy, verbose creed where I go through basically the same dance that I'm talking about on the program right now. And why do I do that? I do it on the off chance that the FBI, CIA, NSA, <laughs> Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, somebody, I don't know, you know, somebody's maybe monitoring my email. And if they are, they have noticed that I am a man made in God's image, plus a bunch more. Huh? And if push comes to shove, if they want to come back and say, didn't you say in an email so-and-so that said such and such? I said, yes, I did. But as per my creed, you can see that I sent it from within the United States of America. You can see that I'm a man made in God's image. What's your complaint? (laughs) 
again, some of this is just, uh, you know, you can debate whether it makes sense or it's silly. Uh, but for me, it's creating evidence, creating evidence before the fact, right? creating evidence where the people have to look and say, oh, we're going to have a problem. Maybe we should, maybe you should leave this guy alone. Doesn't mean they will. You know, it's not a good get out of jail free card or something like that. But nevertheless, all right, I've done my dance. And uh, I don't know, we should have, we should have, instead of calling it the stripper, we'll call it the patriot. Or maybe, better yet, the sovereign de gratia. Right? And that's how I regard myself. Sovereign, de, God, gratia, G-R-A-T-I-A, Latin, by God's grace. Hmm? And I believe that's what makes anyone who would claim to be sovereign, you are there, if you are there, you're there because you receive your rights from God. That is, for me, the essential feature that, that, that distinguishes between the sovereign and the subject. The subject does not get his rights from God. The sovereign does. My reading of history, American, European, that's what it, that's what it tells me. I can't say that that's God's truth, but it is the truth as much as I'm able to understand it. And so if anyone asks, I am a sovereign de gracia. Huh? So, having said all of that, Frank, how are you doing? Good, good. You know, there is one other issue about the uh, man and other animals that I, I thought about. That you Now, these people are obviously lawyers that write the U.S. Code, and we presume that they don't put anything in there by accident. And no. They don't say things, oops, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's another issue, and that's just the simple rules of English. You do not, it is not... It's not proper English to group uncommon things. Exactly. You can't just say, well, uh, cars and other airplanes. Yeah, that's exactly right. That doesn't make any sense. No. You group like things. That's the rules of English. So you don't have to be a lawyer. You know, if you're an English major, you're nodding your head right now. You're going, yeah, well, that's right. Well, that is right. And yet they say man and other animals. You know, so and they've said it for a century. Yeah, and they've also this goes back to the 1906 Pure Food and Drug Act. And they've also said it in another way: uh, animals other than man. Yep, that's they've exactly reversed right. it. So it's not just the oh, well, same same idea. We just man is man is an animal. We pasted this from some veterinarian yep. manual. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know. No, and it's persistent. It doesn't just take place at the federal level. It takes place at six states that we looked at, Texas and five others, and it probably and probably at the balance of the states of the United States of the United States. All of their codes will probably reflect the same presumption. It's not possible that this is an, <laughs> an accident or a coincidence. But what is astonishing, <laughs> you know, and this just cracks me up. This is one of those things where I have no doubt once in a while the good Lord lets me see. To the best of my knowledge, I'm the first man in a century to read the law, first layman to read the law and realize what it meant. And I'll guarantee I will bet you that 98, 99% of all the lawyers who read it never realized what it meant either, and maybe none of them did. Well, you know, it's been there for a century and nobody's seen it. Well, when, you're, when you go through... Okay, a layman would probably have a better chance of noticing it than a it lawyer. It may be. 
Because, I mean, when you go through, okay, you start off with 12 years, then you go to four more years of college, then you go to four more years of law school, and throughout the whole way, you're taught evolution. You're you're a monkey mm-hmm. man. You're an animal. Uh, yep. You know, and, and so... You read you you blow right through that sentence. It doesn't even it doesn't even you don't even look twice at it. You know when you. But you know it wouldn't make any difference. It wouldn't have made any difference to me probably either, except you know by the grace of God again. I'm a little bit of a student of the Bible. I've been you know trying to understand it for 25 years now. Anyway, something like that, and uh, working as best I can to understand it. And I just happened to be, I saw it, and I realized, wait, Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says, on the sixth day, God created man in his image. Man only is God's image, and uh, and gave him dominion over the animals. The, the, that concept of dominion says, if you're an animal, you're in charge, if you, excuse me, if you're a man, you're in charge of these animals. You can't, they are mutually exclusive terms, and the distinction is, Made in God's image, or not made in God's image. That's the distinction out of Genesis 26 through 28, as I read it. And if I hadn't been kind of studying the Bible, I would have read right past man or other animals, and it wouldn't have meant anything to me. You know, what's odd, though, is that, you know, I mean, like you say, this has been on there since, what, 1908 or something? 1906. Anyone who has a question about this, you can Google 1906 Pure Food and Drug Act. And it'll be up there. You'll find a copy of it, and you can scroll down. I don't remember for sure. It might be Section 6. I don't recall clearly. It's not that long. The act isn't that long. It's a thousand words, maybe something like that as a guess. And you scroll down there, and you'll find the definitions of food, definition of drugs. And both of them are defined in terms of man or other animals. You know, what's odd is we presume that back in the, you know, 1910, 1920, you know, the Bible was being more widespread, used as a textbook, used as, a, you know, people read their Bible before they went to bed. And, you know, this is what we presume of our society here. And yet, apparently, nobody made us think about it. Even no, nobody did. nobody did. And they didn't. The concept of genocide didn't exist at that time. But you can go to a website called genocidewatch.org. And if you fish around on the website, you will find a document called the Eight Stages of Genocide. And the third stage is entitled Dehumanization, and I don't like the word human, um, which actually means animal. And according to some federal federal laws, human equates to animal. But the idea is making you something less than a man. Dehumanization, they expressly say, the entities that are, that are perpetrating genocide in this third stage, they dehumanize the victim by calling them insects, vermin, or animals. And they expressly said, Hitler did this in the 1935 Nuremberg Laws. You can look this up. Google it. 1935 Nuremberg Laws. And you go through their ways. I can't remember exactly what section is, but they defined the Jews to be untermenschen which means unter means under, or sub, and mensch means man. And they were saying essentially that they were subhuman. They were saying the Jews were animals. And based on that, that laid the legal foundation in 1935 for the concentration camps and whatever genocide took place at a later date. The first order of business, they legally say, you're a Jew, you're an animal. 
And then we can kill you just like we kill cows and pigs and chickens and goats. Not a problem. Well, Look at Genesis 9-6. Let me just finish this one thing here. Genesis 9-6 tells us why it is a criminal act, unlawful, a sin to kill him, to murder a man. They expressly tell you, because he's made in God's image. This is why you can kill and eat the cows and the pigs and the sheep and the goats and the fish and the birds and the chickens and the rest of this sort of thing. No problem. They're not made in God's image. You can't kill a man. This is the foundation for the crime. And once you define a man, take a man and say, oh, we're going to get you to agree that you're nothing but an animal. Guess what? You have just consented to be to assume the status of a cow, pig, chicken, goat, whatever, and now you're eligible to be marched off into a concentration camp. You are eligible to be subjected to genocide. You volunteered. You said I'm an animal. Now, what gets me is, uh, you know, that was 1930-something, and we look at... 35. Germans owe you terrible, you know, doing that. But mm-hmm. 1906 comes before that. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, if you look at history, the Germans based their whole eugenics program on the United States eugenics program. Yep. So, uh, you know, uh, where did it really originate? I understand that. And then you look at the theory of evolution, which broke loose in this country. I believe it was around 1914 when they had the Scopes trial, but I don't recall if that's clear. I don't remember if that's clear or not. But it is, it's not an accident that, you didn't, that the theory of evolution became advertised. I can't think of the proper term, but it was promoted in this country starting about the same time that the 1906 Pure Food and Drug Act. Mm-hmm. It can't just be a coincidence. And it is so big. It's such a big, big story, and it's been going on for a century. It is, what can it be other than evidence of spiritual warfare? You know, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily surprising that no layman ever read the law in over a century and realized what it was until I got around there. But what about your congressmen and your senators and your presidents and your Supreme Court judges? The, the people who, at least in theory, should know enough about the law to be able to read it and understand what it means, they haven't said anything about it either, which means either they're not smart enough to read that law or there is a kind of conspiracy going on that is so omnipresent you almost can't find an edge to it or a seam or a corner. You know, it's like a puzzle. You, you look for the corner pieces, and then you start building out from one of those thousand-piece puzzles. Find the corners. This doesn't have any corners. No, it's, it's, it's <laughs> no. round. Yeah, it's round. It's amorphous. It's like a cloud or something like that. It's just uh, either that, You know, and I, I, I don't think – I can't – Imagine or believe that they're all so stupid. Not one smart <clears throat> congressman has come through the you know ringer there that figured yeah. it out. And uh, I think they, I think it's the whole Dominion thing. I, I think they're like, well, hey, we're 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 the ones, you know. And they're not the only ones. I mean, there's all kinds of different groups out there that say, way, you know. I mean, you can call them, you know, the the skinheads, the Jews, the whoever. There's all kinds of groups out there that say we are better than everybody else because, well, because we are us. 
Yep. Not for any reasons other than we are us. We're better than everybody else for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, I think these people in Congress, I think they really believe that. I understand if they even find out about it, if they even see what's going on. But even so, to, to, to maintain the secret for a century, and nobody stood out. I don't know how many people knew about it. Some people knew about it, I guarantee you, but they didn't say anything. What is that evidence of? And to me, this is evidence of spiritual warfare. Yeah. yeah, but, right? yeah This is not politics. This isn't just politics. This isn't just, uh, this is spiritual warfare. Yeah, and it's not my simple, perspective. It's not just simple blackmail and threats uh-uh. because there's always going to be somebody who says, you know what, I don't care, yeah. and 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 there there really hasn't been anybody, or maybe there's been a few and they've been uh, you know in plane accidents or whatever happened to them, but you know there hasn't <laughs> been that many, and and I almost, never gotten I almost out. fell off my grocery cart the other day, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't had any plane accidents, but I may, I may, getting, getting a little elderly to be riding around the grocery. Yeah, I was gonna say you're a little big to be riding in the grocery carts. I'm not necessarily too big, but I am a little bit elderly for it. But <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, this is not a small thing. This man or other animals business and the little, you know, the disclaimer that I provide at the beginning of the program. I know it sounds silly. But I don't think it is. I think I think we're on to something that's powerful and important. And, uh, you know, we could be wrong. I could be wrong about that. But you just can't look at the mass of the evidence, massive evidence, and say they say it here and here and here and here at the federal level, state level. You know, I wouldn't mind being wrong about it, but I want to know then, okay, then what's the deal? Yeah, look, you've you've broken the rules of English. You've yeah. broken the rules of common sense and and sensibilities. You're saying something here that not, you know. Okay, fine, it's not true. Then what are you doing? You know, I, if if I'm if we're both wrong, then I'd like to know. Okay, fine, I don't mind being wrong, but what's going on? You know, <laughs> you know that's why you're that's why you're the producer of the radio program. <laughs> You know, that's why Melody. That's why Melody hired you. She said, "This guy doesn't mind being wrong." Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. He's perfect. He's perfect. We can blame him for everything. I just still would like to know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't mind that, but I want to understand what's going on. That's that's the thing. Yeah, I'm working on that part, but you know, I've got the I don't care about being wrong thing. Good. I'm good to go on that, but yeah. So something is going on because there's just no way that's all just a big accident. And, and here's one other point. After we talked about it on radio programs like this one, I had people contact me, one from England and one from either Australia or New Zealand. I never remember which it was. It was Australia or New Zealand. I don't recall. They heard the program on shortwave or whatever. They heard me talking about it on this man or other animals, and they read the relevant definition of drugs for England and English law and also Australian or New Zealand law. Again, don't remember which one. I haven't verified this myself. I haven't looked up the English law, the New Zealand law, or whatever. But they wrote, they wrote to tell me, and they were two separate people. They didn't know each other. But they wrote to tell me that they found the same thing in the English law and the same thing in the New Zealand or Australian law. Same definition, man or other animals. Which means that what we're talking about is not merely a presumption that you folks are animals. It's not just here in the United States. 
This is probably a cornerstone for the New World Order. You can find it in multiple countries. We've know, we're, I, I know it's in the United States. I'm told it's in England and Australia or New Zealand, and I'll bet you it's in a bunch besides that. You know, we've heard the story about how you were going to be animals on the global plantation. Mm-hmm. That's what the New World Order is talking about. Not a joke, not a metaphor. Really? They're, they're writing laws that presume you to be animals. You know, the whole Obamacare thing. I've thought about suing to drop them. With the idea that Obamacare is all about medicine. Medicine is all about drugs, which are defined in man or other animals. It's about medical devices, which are defined as man or other animals. And they certainly have to feed the patients in the hospitals from time to time, which is defined in terms of man or other animals. I think you can go after Obamacare and just say, look, I'm not an animal. Yeah, you know, well, I they, mean... They lose, they declare it unconstitutional, or at least unconstitutional as applied to me, and don't call. Yeah, that, you know, look at the GMOs they're doing. I mean, uh, you know, food. Yep. You know, you know another one that I kind of, <laughs> that interests me in the Obamacare. You know who's enforcing Obamacare? The IRS. That's right. And they are, <laughs> which means it's part of the IRS enforcement obligation. When you file your income tax, they're going to enforce the money on you based on the presumption that you're an animal. Which means if you were fairly skillful at putting the pieces together, the IRS comes calling, you can say, no, boy, uh-uh, you can't, you can't get me an income tax. I'm not an animal. Listen, what's that got to do? You're enforcing law that presumes me to be an animal by a fixing penalty on my taxes. That's buzz off. Your income tax has to be operating on the presumption that I'm that I'm livestock. Hey, I'm wondering if somewhere they haven't already did that before Obamacare, you know, with the IRS code. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's one of the things you kind of learn this or you think you learn it as you go along. But they've got all these other tricks to like individual. What was it last yeah, week or week yeah, before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't mean what people walk around thinking it means. And what for, this is, you know, I talk to people about this once in a while. I just, woman and a woman, lady, whatever, uh, Amanda wrote a, a comment on my blog. She's going to court over one issue or another, and she's trying to separate herself from the fictional name. And she's trying to make sure they understand that she's not the fiction. And I wrote back and I, you know, said, look. It's not a matter of separating yourself from the fiction. It's denying the existence of the fiction, right? which I try to do when somebody asks me, what's your name? Um, is it Alfred Addis capitalized, or is it Alfred N. Addis all uppercase? I strongly suspect that the all uppercase name identifies a legal fiction, although I can't prove that point. I think that's what's going on. Well, the proper name capitalized, just the A on the, at the beginning of both both words is uppercase and rest are lowercase. I believe that's my proper name, and I know it is by law. That's my proper name, Alfred Adams, proper name. All right, but do I care what they call me? I do not care if they call me, but I, uh, I, I claim that the all uppercase name is merely an alias. And I can claim that honestly under oath. I can stand up in court and swear under oath that the all uppercase name is merely an alias. I don't believe that's true. I don't think it is an alias. I think it's a fiction, but I could be wrong about that. But I know for a fact 
that everybody sitting in the jury, if they look at that all uppercase name on a driver's license, they say, yeah, that's his name. Yeah. They see any of the government-issued IDs or passports or anything, they look at the all uppercase name, yeah, that's, that's, that's Al's name. All right? It therefore, I am also known by that all uppercase name. It is truly an alias, even though I don't believe that's a proper explanation. I can swear, I can swear on a stack of Bibles that I am also known by others. They know me by that all uppercase name. Now, so I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm going with it. It's just an alias. You know, if it is, there's no fiction for me to represent the significance. If the theory is valid, the significance is the fiction, like animals, does not have any of those God-given, unalienable rights that are declared in the Declaration of Independence. If we don't have that standing to claim those rights, if you are an animal or you're representing a fiction, then the fiction can't claim those rights, and the animals can't claim those rights, and they don't fall into play in our courts. So uh, my objective in all of this is I just, I don't care what anybody calls me. I just want to make it my business to be perceived and recognized by the courts, by the system, as a man made in God's image and endowed by my creator with certain unalienable rights. And if I have that standing, and especially back it up, I'm within the borders of the State of the Union, I'm good to go. I don't care after that. doesn't mean I'll necessarily win in court. You know, but I am ready to rock and roll under those sta- under under that capacity. You know, there's a woman in who was involved with the uh, Sandy Hook hoax, and I'm going to call it that because there's there's enough evidence to to back that up. And she doesn't because people have exposed that hey, this is not you know this didn't ever ever ha- it didn't happen. And so she is trying in court right now to copyright her name and her daughter, her her supposed deceased daughter's name, so that oh trademark, not copyright it, but yeah. trademark it so nobody else can use it. Because and I and I find this interesting because I'm sure you've heard this argument in the Patriot community. People yep. have gone this route and, and tried this and I don't know of anybody that has made it work for them. Uh, it can't work. It's a bad argument. However, this woman is trying it, and yep. she's trying it from a total different direction of, oh, I'm trying to protect this and that and the other thing, you know. And the funny thing is, if the court falls for it, you know, uh, that's going to be very interesting because if she can trademark her name, mm-hmm. then anybody can trademark their name also. You can, the way trademark, it, first of all, there have been people that are trying to copyright their names for 20 years at least that I've been aware of people trying that strategy. It can't work, right? A copyright, when you copyright a book, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. Who wrote Gone with the Wind? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, uh, some woman, I can't remember her name. She wrote, she wrote the book Gone with the Wind. She copyrighted that book, but she can't copyright the title. There's a Gone with the Wind poem. There's a Gone with the Wind song. There's a Gone with the Wind movie. There may be multiple songs, multiple movies, and multiple books Mm -hmm. with the name Gone with the Wind. What you copyright is the content. If you start copywriting titles, there's going to be somebody out there copywriting names, excuse me, the same thing. Guys out there, his name is William Smith. And he goes out and he gets himself a copyright on on the name William Smith. Well, there's probably fifteen, twenty thousand other William Smiths in the United States. What do we do with them? 
Yeah, well, exactly. Do they all take a number or what? You can't copyright the name. Trademark's possible, but it has limited application. The way trademarks work is they work in the, in the area where you're doing business. You can get AAA Auto here in Dallas. And you can have another AAA auto in Fort Worth and another one in San Francisco and another one uh, out in Medford, Oregon. You can have them within. That's the way they do the trademarks. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt that she's going to So I doubt that I she's going to be successful too. at making this, I, I think they, this I, claim. I, in court. Just for the reason that they'll open a can of worms that they don't want to open. And, uh, they can't. And got, it's even reasonable not to. I got an uh, instant message here. Uh, Margaret Mitchell. Margaret Mitchell, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I was thinking of Martha Mitchell, and I was saying, no, that's not right. They put her in the loony bin. That was the name that was on my Martha Mitchell. No, it's Margaret. Margaret. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> now, you know, you mentioned something about copyright, copyright the contents rather than the title. Yep. So, okay, we live in the age of, all right, so uh, I can't copyright my name. What about copywriting, oh, say, my DNA, my, my fingerprints, my this, my That's that? That's possible because your DNA is unique, and I've thought about that myself. I've thought, you know, the government is collecting DNA samples and so on. Right. Um, the government is trying to, they are allowing pharmaceutical companies and research companies to copyright sections of, of genetic material. Yeah, they are. All right. Why not me? I've thought about you could go. I don't know what it costs. I think it's a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars right now to get your genome, your personal genome, written up. Um, they do a study and they do the tests and they'll produce the copy of your genome. All right, let's do it. And then I think I can copyright that because I'm the only one in the world who has my particular DNA. Genome, if I'm using the term genome correctly, sure. my particular sequence, I'm the only one who's got that. Well, hey, and if uh, if Monsanto can do it, why can't we? Exactly. You know? <laughs> they can copyright viruses and all the rest of these. Why not? Hey, I, you know, I, I can mean, do They can actually go now. They, how does this work, Al, when, when a company can go to the patent office and say, okay, I want to patent this. Because it is significantly different and new from anything else. Okay, fine. We'll patent it. And then the same company goes with the exact same product to the FDA and says, this is not significantly different than any natural food. Mm-hmm. How, how does that How does that? How does that work exactly? I mean, even- it all it has to do with your choice of lawyers, probably. If you get a really skillful lawyer... Uh, yeah, I get that. That's actually that's that's a good. You know, because I mean, I, it's one or the other, isn't it? I mean, it either I, I, is different or it isn't different. Yeah, I understand. You know, and if it isn't different, then you can't patent it. But if it is different, you can't say it's the same. Well, one other thing. So what? You know, people are arguing. People are making the argument, at least from a moral foundation, or maybe just a conservative perspective. But it's not safe for us to be eating GMO foods because our bodies are designed ultimately to deal with natural food. This other stuff, although it looks a lot like it, it's kind of like eating a wax apple. Yeah. You know, it may look like an apple, but it isn't going to have the same, it's not going to be quite the same flavor. And it won't digest quite the same. But you can chew down on that wax apple if you want to, but it's not really an apple. And these GMO foods aren't really foods. 
But given that the food is defined in terms of man or other animals, if your argument is about food under that definition, the presumption is they're just feeding the stuff to animals. We'll feed the cows and the chickens and the goats, whatever we like. If we want to grind up the cows that we've already killed and throw the remains back and mix it in with the cow feed, we'll mix it the cow feed. And they did, and it's part of the way we got, what, mad cow disease. If you can get in front of a jury, odds are you got people on the jury, you got nine of them that are at least paying lip service to the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Might have two of them, might have a Muslim or you ought to have at least a couple of those people say, you know, lip service. Might actually take your faith seriously. Well, and I, I believe if you could formulate. Your children are going to go hungry and pound them at at people that your children are going to starve. And and it's not true. What? Label? My children are going to starve because there's a label? Oh. You know, just something to fill you their bellies, and uh, yeah, they're getting. Hey, look at you! You're 
putting on some weight there. But yeah, hey, I got myself a really yeah on my. No, that was the only one. You know, when you look to it, you found, I can remember as a kid there were pregnant women all over. I don't.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 